Nice. Can you hear me pretty good? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Can yeah. you hear me okay? Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Fantastic. And if I need a, I can uh, adjust your headphone volume if you need to. So just, I'm good. Okay. Fantastic. All right, man. Well, uh, Cody, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate it. Yes. Uh, so, um, Cody Davis, uh, you, I'll let you tell your, uh, your story here and there. We've just been chatting it up. I always make the joke that's like, we should have just been, I sometimes the guess, I almost asked you today if you wanted to get some lunch, but we'll go get lunch and stuff. And we talk about tons of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man, we should have recorded all that. <laughs> the pre-podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, you know, uh, appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I uh, know that McLeod is going to be um, upset that he was not invited to our jam sesh. We jammed some music right before this. That was a lot of fun. So um, we're kind of chatting about music, man. Like, how like when? How old were you when you got into playing? Let me think, man. Um, so I wanted to play at a very early age. I found a guitar in my mother's closet. It had two strings on it. It was just an old Everybody's beater. got kind of family yeah. guitar like and that. And so my mom didn't even realize she still had it. So I'm like, I'm going to learn how to play guitar. So, man, I just played on these two strings, you know, didn't know how to tune, didn't, uh, we didn't have internet um, or anything to learn. But I came home one day and my dad was having a garage sale and a dude was walking off with the guitar. Oh, no. And I was like, I was going to learn to play that. He was like, no, you weren't. I got $25 for it. So a few years later, um, I was probably nine or 10 around the time. I'd probably say I started playing around 14 or 15. I bought a guitar, you know, uh, with my own money, um, started trying to learn to play it. You know, I was really big into MTV at the time, still played music, you know, in the days and stuff. And like they are at least the shows that weren't music videos were music related about bands and things. So I was really influenced by a lot of that. So yeah, I started I started playing with that and started playing in the church. The guy that was kind of like the youth leader would teach you for free. So started going down there, and then like I told you before when we were playing, that's exactly how I got involved. Yeah, yeah guitar just it just didn't really. I wanted to be a lead guitar player, and it just didn't really work for me. But bass really kind of connected with me, so I started playing bass. I always joke like bass, bass for me, and I, I run into a lot of folks. It was like the the sort of the gateway drug of music mm-hmm. of it. And then now um, I most recently got that mandolin I had hanging mm-hmm. in there. And that is actually one of the easier. Now I, I'm not real good at um, some of the finer points. Like I'm proficient at finger picking on the guitar, sure. but on the mandolin it's, it, or just picking in general, like the, right. this like the little fine tuning, but mm-hmm. this, a lot of the chords are like two of the strings, which right. are doubled. They're like a 12 string. Sword. Right. And um, then the other two st- strings would be open. Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, all the chords that are like two strings and uh, two open, s- open strings and two fretted strings, easy chords, like the easiest stringed instrument to play, but then you get some of them that are holding down three and one open string. I'm, right. It's a little rough. Yeah, so bass for me was something that was very easy to get into. And I think, I think sometimes it, it, you know, you played bass as well, so people kind of think you're lesser than but it's easy to get into, but it's very difficult to master. Oh, man. You, know, you ever uh, get into any Les Claypool? Oh, yeah. yeah. Who was who your most inspirational bass player real quick? Oh, man. So I was really big into Metallica <laughs> growing up. So I really liked Newstead. I really liked Trujillo when, when he got in there. And, of course, Cliff Burton before that. Um, and Which then, one passed away? 
Burton passed away. That's, yeah. And Burton was really less of a bass player and more of a third lead guitar player. Uh, he really understood music well, but, he, you know, a lot of his stuff um, was, I mean, he did a lot of lead type stuff to me on bass, where Newstead was the complete opposite. And then Trujillo can kind of do both. And, and I always really liked Newstead a lot. But, yeah, I was big into them. Yeah, I was big into Metallica for years. Uh, I'll, I, I really like you know, Duff McKagan with Guns N' Roses. I thought he did some really neat stuff. I, my mind was kind of blown whenever Sweet Child of Mine, you know, there's that, like, second kind of little lead kind of yeah. part underneath what Slash is playing. I always thought that was a guitar, and then I found out, no, that's the bass. Uh, so, yeah, I always like players like that. I discovered, you know, kind of what I would call virtuosos, you know, a little bit later, like Claypool, you know, who just different playing it. I saw him play just probably, uh, it was in April. It was mm -hmm. on my birthday. Yeah. Uh, we went to a music festival in Atlanta, and he was playing with uh, one of John Lennon's sons. Okay. Yeah, uh, Lennon, uh, Claypool, Delirium. Mm -hmm. They were covering Floyd and all sorts of stuff. It was, it was interesting. I remember the first time I saw Les Claypool was actually – I was watching Woodstock when they, they redid Woodstock. Oh, was year. it 99 or 94? I think it was 99, yeah. And so uh, so Woodstock 99, and they played Master of Puppets, <clears throat> and he was playing the, the guitar part on the bass. And I just, it was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. And like I told you, you know, when I, whenever I discovered there was like a bass player magazine, then I'd discover like Jocko Pistorius, Otel oh, Burbage, yes. you know, all these like virtuosos. And I was always, I'm not, crazy about everything Mudvayne does but Ryan Martini is extraordinary I, man I like a lot I, you know like Mudvayne's earlier stuff but they had and I don't I, I kind of fell out of them I haven't mm. listened to them in several years but they had sort of this middle period and I don't know what they've been doing about the last do, a half Nothing. a dozen years no, I didn't think so did they yeah. yeah but man like um that like when they released like Not Falling mm -hmm. and um Man, they had like three or four songs that came out in like a five-year period, and I was like, versus like their earlier stuff, like that song Dig. Dig. Yeah. That's good. That's actually how I got into them, and then I appreciated their later music much more. I did, too. I felt like it was it was more, I don't know, musical, I guess. Yeah, uh, it, it was. It more, had a melody to it. He actually would sing rather than just screaming everything, so yeah. You ever um, get into any Tool? Listening to Justin Chancellor. Yes. So I, I always forget about Tool. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, I definitely like Tool. Uh, I love Maynard. Isn't that his name? Maynard? Yes. The guy that sings. Yes, yeah. He does jujitsu too. I love anything he does. So um, I just love his voice. So Tool is incredible. Uh, I really liked A Perfect Circle. They were never Tool to me, but, yeah. but yeah, I really yeah. like them. Uh, I've seen then, A Perfect Circle in concert once. And, and Pussifer, you know. They Okay, so check this out. Tool's got a new album coming out in August. Mm -hmm. They released it on digital right now. Um, a Perfect Circle had an album come out last year. Right. Pussifer's having an album come out next year. Right. Yeah. <sighs> Maynard, he does these things to us. He's there's there's nobody else that sounds like him to me. Man, like sometimes I'm like, is this dude a prophet? Like, mm -hmm. was he sent here? Like, you know, because I I can't. I've st I've like almost studied his persona, like not on the on a degree like some people have, but just like he's an he's an enigma. Mm -hmm. I've never I, I can't think of a more fascinating person, like mm -hmm. with not just like with the music, but like okay, you just well then the three different bands we mentioned, like we've done like numerous podcasts about Tool and Maynard. He's been he's been in the mix. Um, He's been on Joe Rogan's podcast several times too. Mm -hmm. Like so, I've seen that, and he does jujitsu with Hicks and Gracie, and Henry Akins, and some people that I've like 
uh, like my buddy Jack, who's been on this podcast, had lunch with Maynard. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting the the wine industry. Have you seen what he's doing with mm-hmm. like? So he he has these wine orchards in Arizona, makes his own wine. It's got a documentary about it. But he blows my mind. Like, all, just take like 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 my approach is like, oh, I'm just gonna do stuff I enjoy, teach history, play mm-hmm. music, uh, what at martial arts, whatever it is. And um, Maynard's like that, mm-hmm. but way better than me. And, I mean, dude, he, he was even showing his sick jujitsu sweep the other day, and I was just like, that's cool, Maynard. <laughs> I wish I was that cool. I wish people watch my videos as much as yours. Yeah. Because it was like his jiu-jitsu video had like thousands and thousands of views. And I'm just like, dude, all of my YouTube videos combined, which are like 500, probably have that many views. So, yeah, I've always thought he was kind of, to have that much talent and creativity for three different bands always impressed me. But, yeah, I didn't even know that he did these other things. Did you know he went to West Point? No, I didn't. He was in the Glee Club. So, um Man, what else was I just thinking too? There's another thing about Maynard that's always just like, what? You know, because he's he's very he's just diverse. Oh, okay. So I want to talk to you about this anyway. This is a great segue. Um, Carl Jung. Mm-hmm. You ever? Yeah, which I'm sure you have. Like, so you teach psychology. You have a psychology background. Mm-hmm. What all classes do you teach? By the way, so general psychology and human development are the two that they let me teach. I'm trying to get them to let me teach abnormal. Abnormal. Yeah, I want abnormal, but they usually reserve that for the full time faculty members. And do so you guys cover Jung in, in, in any no. particular class? No. Is he a controversial so, figure? So, well, it just Jung. I didn't get much of Jung in school either. The majority of psychoanalysis is spent with Freud. You know, that's it's contemporary. Yeah, that's that's who you're going to get the majority of. And I mean, you learn about Jung, you learn about Adler, Horney, Erickson, you learn about some of the other ones a little bit. But really what you learn the most of, or at least I did about Jung in my psychology degree, you know, and, and my background is that him and Freud had a falling out. Yeah. You know, that's what you really learn about. Um, so I really do try to bring in Jung a little bit. I, I don't do it a lot because... The thing is, they have trouble learning about you know Freud and the others that the book tells them. So, I'll supplement a little bit because I really like his, you know, take on shadows, you know, and dreams. Uh, I think he yeah. was better at dream content than Freud was. You know, yes, the well, so like uh, the tool song forty six and two. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, the, a lot of a lot of tools works are inspired by Jung's different mm-hmm. viewpoints on things. Um, so pretty much when Tool's not singing about Jesus and stuff. Right. Dude, I'm telling you, man, between all of Maynard's bands, I'm like, dude, you sing about Jesus more than the church band I was in. Yeah, so I remember like hearing A Perfect Circle's Judith, you know, which was kind of their breakout thing. The Dune. There's yeah. a whole bunch of them. Yeah. Well, yeah, and so like, you know, I, I remember listening to that and loving it, but I had no idea really what he was saying. And so at the time, I was really, really like uber Christian, you know, like, everything was about Jesus and stuff. And so whenever I first read the lyrics, I was like, I can't listen to this anymore. You know, <laughs> like, this is so bad. Uh, and now I've come around to where it's like, ah, it's, it's words. You know, people pull from the dark side. What's cool is he, he writes one song about the, what in Christianity called the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. The sermon, like the, the, the message from the Sermon on the Mount. Right. Basically. So, uh, but then he'll have times where he's like mocking. Mm-hmm. And they just have times where it's like, dude, are you a born again Christian, James Mayer? Can you? Or, yeah. you know, he's like, 
it, 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 it's a quandary. It, it, he does blow well, my mind. I would say, like, if I had to make a guess, and I don't know, you know, of course, like, I don't, all I knew about him, you've kind of educated me today about a lot of what he's about. I just knew he's in three bands I like. Uh, I would make a guess that he sees value in Christianity in terms of like some of the things that like are, the wellness. Yeah. You know, and the, like, like you said with the Beatitudes, um, he sees value in that, but his problem is probably more with the messenger than with the message because, you know, mainstream Christianity, you know, and this is kind of a controversial thing to say, I, I think, especially we'll get we more live. lessons. Yeah. Especially where we live in the Bible belt, we're in the buckle of it. Mainstream Christianity is somewhat toxic. To me, and people, I think, with the best of intentions, hurt other people. Yeah. Oh, you know? it, it, man! Like it's, it's it, in it, it. I totally get that because it's like take take religion out of it, you you'll get into a, a disagreement with your best friend, you mm-hmm. know. And it's like it's it might not be often, but it's just like man, we're people. Everybody's gonna fall short, disappoint somebody. It's like. Like the spouse being an example, like with your wife or something. It's right. just like, yeah, you're always, but it's like, that's just kind of socially accepted, but it's like long term relationships with people. It's like you're going to have times where you don't agree on things, and that's what makes it a long term relationship. It's like, okay, I'm, you're still mm. my bro. Yeah, but what, what you know, mainstream Christianity does is we say, okay, we don't like this, so we're going to start another church. <laughs> you know, we're going to start another denomination. We'll split off it, yeah. yeah you know. Um, my, my church that I grew up in split numerous times. Yeah. So what what did you grow up in? Uh, what type of faith? Okay, it, it was a Pentecostal church, okay. but it was across the street from another Pentecostal church. Okay. okay so um, it was uh, more along trending towards the assembly of God mm-hmm. uh, sort of done. Dude, in, in hindsight, after and having learned and now lecturing on the Protestant Reformation, I'm just like, uh, like, you guys didn't tell me all that. Mm-hmm. I've been with church for 19 years, and it definitely lends to my um, teaching of the ancient world mm-hmm. in Western Civ One because, sure. man, we, we start off Mesopotamia, Egypt, the Assyrians, Persians. Like, the Assyrians are mentioned 139 times in the Bible. I did an hour and a half podcast on just that culture. Right. You know, fascinating. Like, because if you read the biblical account, they say that they're the descendants of Noah's son, um, Shem. Mm-hmm. Did he have a son named Shem? Maybe. Shem, Sham. Yeah. Ham, Sham, and Japheth. I think we're the, but it's just like little obscure stuff like that. I was like lecturing about Daniel in summer two as teaching Civ one. Um, and I was talking about the Belshazzar's feast and the writing on the wall. There's an archetypal saying for you. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, oh, you think this dude's cool? Let's, let's talk about his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay. And the fiery furnace. And the, and the students are just like, and I was just like, I'm not a Christian, by the way. Like, I don't identify with that. But I will constantly pull the biblical account. I'm like, here's what the biblical account is. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the Hebrews. Yeah. So we have to mention the biblical account, but the <clears throat> book doesn't really go in. So it's like, if I just didn't have some background knowledge, or as a historian, I wasn't constantly being like, what's the biblical account say? Yeah. Because, like, man, it's like, why are you guys talking about Daniel in my Western Civ book? And, like, Mm-hmm. I'm going to look into that on both sides of the fence here. Yeah. So, uh, super interesting. But, th- so it's like you can't even get around it. It's like it's taught, like, w- Christianity in the West, like, that is, like, a huge, it's a whole test for us mm-hmm. in that class. 
So you don't identify as a Christian. No. But you grew up with that background, so you yes. understand it. So what what do you identify as? A Jew. Uh, okay. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if I was going to be anything, I'd probably be Jewish. Yeah, they actually kind of discourage converts. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, yeah. They're, I, they're like the one religion who's like, oh, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's... um. Well, and then too, so it's it's interesting too um, that they're Messianic Jews. Mm-hmm. I'm about where what you just said, man. Like it's it's a great message. Sure. I mentioned this on the podcast the other day. It's like John Lennon was talking about like all the stuff. Uh, I, heard, I heard him in a, like one of the last interviews about the the things he aspired to be. Mm-hmm. He's like, those are just things that I heard about and I was trying to be that. And then people equated me with those philosophies which I was constantly falling short on. Sure. And I think we do that with Christians a lot. It's like, oh, you say you're going to be like Jesus, walk walk like Jesus, talk like... That's another Maynard reference mm-hmm. um, from the last of Purpose of God. I'm just like, but you don't. Right. You're kind of an asshole or whatever, you know? It's like... Um, or like what now, what's going on right now, I'll tell you the most, uh, I don't know how much you've been following any local stuff going on. I never gave a, a care, two cares in the world about local politics until I started trying to build a building on property that I owned for 12 months. And it mm-hmm. was a major, it still is a major production, but we think we have an out. But the mayor who beca- he became involved in that process, like two minutes into some interview starts talking about um, his religious beliefs and the Bible and all this stuff, and I'm just like, dude, I really, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that, man. Mm-hmm. Like you're referencing the Old Testament. Like, let's go to one book before that when they're talking about committing atrocities to Assyrian children out of revenge. Right. It's like since we're on the Old Testament, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. like. But I just, I'm all for like separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. I don't like um, the sort of moral, uh, like, we're not going to do this because of our ethics. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not how really how we're set up around here, guys. No. Yeah. We're, but not to get into su- too super controversial, that's my opinion. Yeah. So, you know? Yeah, so, like, I guess I would still identify as a Christian um, for me, but... You, I, do you go to church? I do, I do. Um, and I will tell you, I go, I go to a church where... I know the pastor. You know, I know the pastor's belief systems. We, he was the guy you saw me the other day with having coffee with. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so we get together occasionally and talk about things. The the pastors that were there before, you know, um, I got there, I really enjoyed. But I was so you, you know Dana Thompson. Yeah. So Dana was my licensing supervisor, and I don't know if you know this about him, but he's a retired Methodist minister. I grew up Southern. One is, I think I did hear yeah. that Meth- Methodist. You yeah. Know. While we're on the topic, those Methodists, I kind of like this style. They're a little liberal. Yeah. I like it. They're, somebody was saying, I mean, I hate to use that term, but yeah. somebody's saying it's like if the Baptists are the right, right wing of local politics, yeah. like the Methodists are the left. Well, so, so yeah. So Depending I'll, on, I'll, yeah, I'll I guess there's a schism there. I found there. out, exactly. So, so I was kind of done, and I didn't even know what I was. You know what I mean? And I didn't want to admit to myself I was an atheist or maybe even agnostic. Like, okay, That's there's a God. Where I'm at. Yeah. There's a God possibly, but I don't really care. You know, like, like if God's there, God's there. That's cool. I just need to live my life and be a good person, so on and so forth. So, but one day I walked into Dana's office, and we're talking about this client that I had, and the problem with this client was their religious beliefs. 
they were so strict and like God was such an asshole in their lives uh, yeah, that, oh, man. that like it was causing them psychological distress. And so you're supposed to work with a client's belief system, not against. So I went to him and I'm like, what do I do if this is the problem? And he's like, well, have you, you know, have you explored this? Have you talked with, so we talked about it a little bit, but he was curious, what's your religious background? And so I said, grew up Southern Baptist, you know, got saved early on was a Bible beater, you know, hardcore Republican, you know, like I was just bought into that right wing theology. And, you know, if you didn't vote Republican, you weren't a Christian type thing. And, uh, isn't that wild? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, how, I, how I, that, how that has made its way into the, yes. And, and so, and, and I'll go back to your point about church and state, what I think happened. But, um, but so in college though, man, every belief system that I had was challenged and, uh, and I just came out on the other end of it saying, I don't think I have all the answers like I thought I did. I, I took 27. There's a Voltaire quote. I took 27 hours of philosophy. Yeah. And I just didn't have philosophy degree at Tech. Mm-hmm. But, um, and it was all from the same guy. Right. And, like, Voltaire has this quote. It's like, uh, a little philosophy uh, will make you an atheist. Mm-hmm. A lot of philosophy will make you believe in God. So it's like, on. but here's the weird thing. It's like, Five years after I got out of college, I was just like, like the what it all started meaning to me, right? And I think there's partially it's like I, mean, I was 23 when I started going back to college, like the five years of really intense philosophy, and then five years to think about it, mm-hmm. and um, arrived on the other side of that, like after accomplishing a lot of major goals and stuff, and started asking myself different questions, and. You know, I'm 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 with you too, and like maybe Maynard or whoever. It's like Christianity in its philosophy, like a lot of world religions. I love studying world religions, is great. Oh, absolutely. But it's just like the human being component or the messenger or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call them. Yeah. So so Dana Dana and me were talking about this, and I pretty much told him, like, I don't really know that I have faith anymore. And I said, there's a part of me that's bothered by that. I don't even like admitting that to you. And and we kind of talked about, like, what are the options for that? And so Dana gave me options that no one ever had. It was either you're a Christian or you're going to hell. <laughs> you know, that was the options that were given to me earlier. And he said, so one, you find another religion. You know, he was like, if I wasn't a Christian, I'd probably be a Buddhist. Buddhism is really cool. I was like, okay. It is. And he said, two, he said, you know, you get rid of religion altogether. You can be a good person. You can have values. You know, you can live a good life that's kind to other people without any type of God. Or three, you dig deeper in your faith and you realize what it means for you rather than what you've been told, you know. So, I mean, it like there was this big dismantling portion of my life where I was trying to figure out, like, you know, who is God to me? You know, who is Jesus to me? Because, you know, Christians, you know, like are all about Jesus and rightfully so, but simple tweaks to things matter and 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 so like you know i I hear people like quote you know uh, i think this is matthew i can't remember the exact thing but you know i'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me Mm -hmm. you know and that's used to kind of say like if you don't know me if you don't know the name jesus if you don't say jesus in a prayer asking god you know for forgiveness you don't know god therefore you go to hell but man i look at something like that now and I'm all about the context of what happened in the Bible. You know, this was told before he knew that he was going to die. 
he was going to be leaving these 12 people who were, I think we could make the argument if we look at the biblical text of the 12 disciples that they were kind of morons. Like there were several times that Jesus was kind of like, okay, guys, come on. Well, not to mention too that like Jesus had like, let's just say those 12 guys Mm -hmm. were the tops. Right. He had he he had such a large following outside of that, and some of those people were straight up zealots. Like, hey, J Dog, we need to, which is not a J in Hebrew, but like we need to leave the Roman Empire. Right. Okay. Right. This Eastern client kingdom is not working out for us. Okay. That plus they they put Yahweh on a shelf with a bunch of other gods. Right. Yeah. They said they said we have to call Caesar the son of God. Yeah, exactly. Right, and you know, so it's an interesting. Like, I love studying the empire period. Right. Caesar Augustus being the Caesar in power when Jesus was born. Right. And so when I see that verse, I more see him telling people who were he was their rabbi, he was their teacher. Like, hey, I, you're about to not have a teacher, but I've showed you how to live. You know, take care of the widow, take care of the orphan. And Jesus, to me, is a very political figure. You know, that, that's what Jesus was. Like, you know, he was the son of God, but born in a manger, not born in a bloodline that was going to become an emperor, you know? When I read, uh, so like, I, this is actually straight out, straight out of the textbook, but there's this little thing where um, Virgil, the poet, is mm-hmm. writing about this child who will come and save all of the world. And, like, just some of the key components to, like, the Jesus story. Right. Like, and you and I read it and I set it up and I'm like, who do you think that Virgil's talking about? And they're like, Jesus, duh. And I'm like, he's talking about Caesar Augustus. Right. They actually went by several of the same names. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like, I don't even know how to interpret that. I'm like, it was, was the, cause there was a sort of this emperor cult. So it's like, is, was there that? And there's an emperor cult and they were, they were sort of copying this messianic prophecy through the emperor cult. Mm-hmm. Or was Jesus taking a dig at Caesar? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Because like, why did they both go by son of God or son of man? Right. And, um, uh, both, they were both called the Messiah and, and, and different things like that. It's fascinating to look at those parallels. And, I mean, there's so many things about Jesus' life that, like, I mean, like, the virgin birth is really just this thing. It's like, oh, you know, but, I mean, Romulus and Remus were a virgin birth. You know, that, I mean, that's a kind of a dime Well, is there, not, um, is there not that same story in um, Buddhism as well? Uh, there may the be. The elephant delivering the, the child or something. Sure. There's some sort of... Uh, creation myth or something there of like the first the first human or something yeah. but it's like you know you survey a lot of world religions you can't but see those parallels i'll tell you what blows my mind is the epic of gilgamesh dude got mm-hmm. the same story as noah in it like almost 100 percent. but like some other parts like yes yahweh is just one of the mesopotamian deities and that's the one talking to the utnapishtim over here and that is the biblical Noah, and all the way to like the bird carrying the the thing back to the ark, carrying the the twig. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like that. Like when I heard, I'm like, okay, we didn't even know the Assyrians existed until 1848. Then we found Ashurbanipal's library at Nineveh. We excavated mm-hmm. it, found the Epic of Gilgamesh and this Babylonian creation epic called Enuma Elish, and they're basically the account of Genesis. Right, the creation story and the flood story, mm-hmm. 
And then, like, you take and you survey further, and it's like there are over 200 creation stories, and two-thirds of them contain a deluge, a flood-type event. It's like... Like what you're saying on digging deeper, that's, for me, that's like, dig, that's how I dig, right. you know? I'm exactly. like... And, but so that's, that's kind of my whole thing is, you know, Christianity early on was, and it was, it was kind of pack mule morality, and it was fire insurance. Like, I was told, there's a hell. <laughs> dude, I've never heard about it like that, that man. Dude, that's what it was. That's like, great. We went to Judgment Day every Halloween where people got thrown to hell or they were saved, and it was kind of like... Oh, we had know, a Hallelujah party yeah, down at my yeah, church, bro. You know? I mean, dude, how I became a Christian was I was told a story. Okay, I grew up southern Louisiana. I grew up coon hunting, you know, at night, and the one thing you worried about was coming up on snakes, and they told a story about little Johnny, his dog, and a, and a rattlesnake. Little Johnny gets in trouble. <clears throat> oh, yeah, little Johnny, you know, so, yeah, he Fs up. So little Johnny found a rattlesnake. His mother told him, get rid of it, but he kept it anyway. It ended up biting the dog first and then him. So in this story, the rattlesnake is sin. God is the mother telling him to, no, you don't want that. The dog is Jesus because he took the majority of the sin, and then the little boy was spared even though his dog died. Man, that's really effed up to tell like a nine-year-old. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's how I became a Christian. So yeah, so like in my in my late twenties, early thirties, I had to figure out what does this really mean to me, other than I'm not going to go to hell. Is my mom God? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, so you know, I really had to figure that out. And so for me, Christianity is. I mean, I don't know that it was ever meant to be a religion. I think it, it's a. I think it's a great set of guidelines. Exactly. I mean, Buddhism is a great set of guidelines. I, I think that what what's remarkable to me about Jesus's life, because I think if we look at history, there there was a historical Jesus. You know, the pre-Easter Jesus uh, is what Marcus Borg refers to. The post-Easter is what kind of became myth-wise. Yes. People take literally, but it's really just myth. And myth loses power when it becomes literal. But we've, we've tried to literalize myth, and I think that's one of the reasons that you're seeing millennials just leave the church is because we've gotten rid of myth. You know, everything has to be literal. But, um, but when we refer to the, the pre-Easter Jesus... Like, if these events happen where this dude led a political revolution and then the religious zealots of the time and the emperor killed him because of his radical message, that's something I can get down with. But fire insurance, I don't really know that I need that anymore yeah. with my belief system today. Man, too, here's another one that, and this is never popular with anybody. And it's not even my thesis, but there's a thesis out there. I don't even remember the author. I'm actually going to look it up so I can. But it's um, the author's thesis is basically that Jesus didn't exist, mm-hmm. that he was an archetypal creation by the Roman government to quell um, division in the eastern portion of the empire. Interesting. I've yes. never heard that theory, but that's um, interesting. Let's see. Caesar Jesus. Uh, I'm going to, uh, because I want to get this, I want to get this on audiobook. Um, let's see. The Christ myth theory is what it's called. Um, but I'll, uh, I'll find it because, dude, I gotta, I gotta get it on my Audible. Mm. I, I gotta get an audio version of it because it's, it's fascinating. But the basic thesis is like, okay, yes, the reason that Caesar, like this, the the second Caesar was at Tiberius, 
uh, or um, he 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 does some different timelines and dating. Like I'm not again familiar with all these, but he's basically saying like the reason there's all these parallels between the Caesar and Jesus is because the government did this. And then you go back further. What got me scratching my head on that was the fact that in philosophy it's taught that Aristotle or not Aristotle that. Socrates may have been that for the Greeks. Interesting. Because if if you look at the Roman Empire, like Christianity became the official, you know, religion. So they were basically so basically they they had this system mm-hmm. that was like, dude, Cody, you're down with Marduk? Like, I'm down with Mars, like, which is where we got martial arts from. I just found it out recently. But um it's like, man, I'm down with Baal. We got some Aphrodite over here. We got some Yahweh, and then then you you have all these subjects in Palestine are like, <laughs> pump the brakes. And I, dude, I think this is like the origin of so much anti-Semitism too. Is like because I've always wondered. I'm like, why do people hate Jews so much? Right. Like it never made sense to me. And then I'm like, the the number one thing I could see would be. That in this is how it's I comes across in my textbook I use for class is like not that the system was totally fair because like uh, but it's like to the to the Jews but it's like okay so all the months we have still to this day like they're festival months for different deities and stuff like that like Augustus August is the month of Caesar Augustus it's deifying him like the um, July is Julius Caesar's month they reformed the calendar together but. Um, Basically, uh, <clears throat> the idea that because the Hebrews would not accept the open-mindedness, it's like I just kind of joke around. It's like it was Yahweh or the highway. Mm-hmm. It was like no, 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 no. We don't <clears throat> look at this coin that that has Caesar's face on it and says "Son of God" because that ain't Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact. Get rid of that coin. That was a big thing Pontius Pilate was dealing with with the Jewish hierarchy is they had just hung him up on this medallion that had been circulating. They were pissed, and he's just like, you people in Gange. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's... I've been down this rabbit hole on, like, trying to understand... Because it's like, man, this Romans is a book in the New Testament. Right. You know? And it's just like... Like, how much do Christians know about the Romans? Mm-hmm. And vice versa, and it's like so. It's like I literally just kind of want both sides of the story, so to speak. So it's you know it's it. But that's been kind of my research. It's like yeah, I had nineteen years of church, and now I've been out of you know went to college, and now I'm all now I'm like in my mind doing my own as, critical assessment of the two sides of the coin mm-hmm. of like yeah okay I learned some philosophy. I've, I've surveyed these world religions. I know this broad-based historical narrative I could start plugging and pulling facts into, but the um, the Socrates thing is like, Socrates and Jesus never wrote anything. They, what we know from them only comes from their students, mm-hmm. their followers. And that's, that's kind of one of the things that I learned when I dived into this about the Bible is, where did the Bible come from? You know, because I guess growing up, I just thought it was this like manual from heaven, if you will. But a lot of people still. Um, I had a yeah, I had a yeah, eight eight hundred years after the fact in some cases. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you know, these were oral stories that were passed on for 
you know, months, years. And so to think, you know, that some of this wasn't one changed from person to person, because you know how it is. If I tell you a story, when you tell it, you may emphasize other things. You may leave out a little detail, you know, like a, sometimes you will hear a joke you told someone and then by the time it gets back around to you, you're like, well, that changed a little bit or a story. Even if it's, I, I saw a video doing this with gestures mm-hmm. the other day. Um, it wasn't even spoken word. They like one person did a gesture. They were like, but dude, but they did like a hundred people. Yeah. And by the time it got to the end, it was nowhere even in the vicinity. Right. When I used to when I used to work with kids more, I would do a rumors group because kids are always like talking shit about each other, and uh, and so I would tell one of them a rumor. Yeah, I would tell one of them a rumor at the beginning of group, and they didn't know this was going down. But I would tell them a rumor about, hey, did you know that so and so was doing this? And so then of course you know they don't just go, oh, oh, okay, no, I didn't. Wow, I'm telling I'm telling little Johnny. So, so then by the end of it, all of them have heard it, and I'm like, so what's the rumor about? You know, whatever. And they're like, it may start out with, oh, he made out with this girl at McDonald's. But then by the time it gets to the end, it's like, dude's making out with, you know, like That's s- great. some other chick, it, whatever. And so it changed. And I'm like, guys, you can't believe these things you hear because they would always have this drama about somebody saying something or them hearing. But yeah, so if we go to the, the origin stories of the Bible, there's no way to me that someone could tell that story and it not then change a little bit and it and even to be adapted for the culture that maybe it was told in you know Matt yeah I know there's so many old te- like the story I mentioned a minute ago like Daniel and the writing on the wall mm-hmm. I see that as a literal thing like I mentioned it being an archetypal saying that's why I love Carl Jung so much is dealing with archetypes but it's like Oh, you mean this guy who worked for the government administration very closely, who was also a slave, mm-hmm. saw the writing on the wall and predicted the downfall of the Neo-Chaldeans, uh, the New Babylonians. Right. And um, it's just, it's like, well, maybe that's where we get the saying. Hey, Cody, did you see the writing on the wall on that one? Because I did. You know, like it's that is, uh, man, you say that to anybody in the English language, they know exactly what you're talking about. Like, man, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. You're putting it together. Yeah. And I think that that is to be in, like, when I read that story now, I'm like, yeah, Daniel was the dude's, like, guy. Mm-hmm. He was, like, the Hebrew sort of go between and you know, all these things. So it's like, it makes sense that he would be able to predict that happening. He may even have seen envoys coming through and messages or things like that, but um, there's so many stories. My philosophy professor, Charles Bush, um, he only told me a couple of things he ever believed. Once was how you're supposed to knife fight because uh, he's former Green Beret and yeah. apparently was the knife fighting instructor. And I'm like, dude, you effectively have blown my mind because, like, he's... Like for the most of the time I knew him, he was like he he had his cataracts, his eyes were going bad, so he just kept his eyes closed all the time. When he would lecture, his eyes would be closed. I'm like, dude, you're doing that on purpose. You're freaking me. I started working at the department, and I realized he was he'd be in there in his office and on his monitor, just like like scratches on the screen and stuff. But he's like, oh, you're not supposed to hold, you know, the 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 knife like this. That's actually fake. You hold it like this. 
And uh, then, like, he said a couple of things about it, and then he just, like, went back to, like, Emmanuel Condor or whatever we were talking about. But <clears throat> he was just like, the Genesis story is not meant to, it's not about some woman betraying, her. you know, he went in all the stereotypes mm-hmm. on it. He goes, it's to show you that you're responsible, mm-hmm. not a reptile. You know, your uh, outcome is based on your decisions. Yeah. And two, I'll tell you something, because I want to like I, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, like a couple of subsets of what you do that you might have some about, but like rehab science and uh, addiction studies. Have you have you had very much dealings with that on your side of the fence? So rehab science, no. Um, or I mean, and really with addictions, not a whole lot. Addictions for me is something that I'm not interested in, in the terms of actually ever working in it because it's, it's just hard work. Yes. Like, oh, like I, it's, I it's can only imagine like the, the fail rate is. Unreal. Why do you think that is? Is kind of like where I was, where I was really going with that. Well, I mean, I don't think there's one answer necessarily to me to, to answer that. Uh, I, I think we, I think to start with, with treatment for addiction, we kind of have the wrong idea of what addiction is. You know, I don't, while there's definitely addiction to substances, to me, and and I could be completely wrong with this, anything I say about any topic, I'm always open to being wrong. Hey, oh, me too, dude. I, I don't know a whole lot. I'm just reporting what I heard. Yeah. And so for me, addiction to something is not like, that's a symptom to me, you know? That's, there's an underlying cause to this. Why, you know, did this person get addicted? To yes, something? yes. So what we, was the trauma from their childhood? Well, sure. or Yeah. And I mean, when we look at the opioid crisis, some people have chronic pain. Yes, you yes. Know? And so the addiction came in because this made them actually feel better with chronic pain, but they weren't told that this is going to be highly addictive. You know, what, so okay, so basically, this real quick, and then get, finish your thought. Mm. What if that is a metaphor for like knowledge of good and evil? Yes, because there's no like, there's no coming back f- in a way like that metaphor of also chasing the dragon. Yeah, so ignorance is bliss, right? And so, yeah, for me, the the origin story in the Bible is not so much about God creating man and woman, you know, but it's about attaining knowledge. And then being responsible, you know, for, like, your actions. And that, like, you know, like, you now know better and you know these things. You can't, you know, just be ignorant anymore. Well, and too, so, and it's, sometimes it is actions. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it is a substance. Yes. So that's the fascinating point is that in, in the biblical account is, is that it's like this Apple mm-hmm. represents something. Right. And it's like, yeah, that could be a metaphor, but it's like in our society mm-hmm. right now, it, so many things, and it's like I've heard that metaphor of chasing the dragon for people on heroin and stuff. It's like that that like that first time, I've heard people report this on a lot of different drugs, acid, different things. Is their first time they're do, they do it is always the best. Right. It's always blah, right. blah. And then nev- never after that is it that again. Well, the brain like adjust, you know? And so that's, that's one of the, the key issues is, you know, w- when you have that, it's new to the brain, you know, the brain doesn't know what to do with it. It's just this wild neurons firing, you know, whatever. 
uh, and I've never done any type of drugs before. I've never even smoked pot, you know? So, uh, like, I've never had any desire. I value control. Drugs are going to put me out of control, and I don't value that. So I, I never wanted to do anything like that. But, yeah, so you have that initial response, and then you're constantly wanting more, and that's why we see addiction escalate and people overdosing is because the same amount no longer does the same thing. But addiction, too, is much more than just, to me, is more than drugs and alcohol. I mean, as I sit here, I'm still an overweight individual. I've lost a ton of weight. Dude, how much weight have you lost, if you don't mind me asking, Man. if you don't care to get into it? Because, dude, like, every time I see you, since I've, I, we haven't known each other very long, yeah. but, like, I would say, like, you look better than when I first met you, and apparently when I first met you, you, it, according to the narrative of people around me, you're like, dude, Cody, you're looking great, bro. Yeah. So I've lost, um, I'm right now, I'm at, I'm at about 350, the last time I weighed, you know, and, and I, I was around. I mean, you never really know the heaviest you were, but I was yeah. around 615. Wow, so that around, is a lot. Yeah, I've lost around 265 pounds, and, and I plan to lose much more. You know, I, I still want to do it's that. process. But for me, like when we talk about addiction, food was very much, okay, so, so drugs are going to put me out of control. But food is something I could very much control. And if you think about food, we utilize food for every emotion, okay? So let's say, you know, something happens, you know, with your, your business. You know, something happens with the building or, you know. it's Dude, really, it happened the other day. Exactly. I stressed that the other day. Yeah, it's a really shit day. So you come home. You stop by Papa John's or Little Caesars or whatever. You get a large pizza. You know, you get a pint of Ben & Jerry's. You come home and you eat your feelings, you know. And you're like, this sucked. This is going to make me feel better. Boom. But then the next day, let's say the exact opposite happens and everything works out. Everything's good. You know, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to celebrate. Maybe you'll stop and get a pizza and a, and a pint of ice cream. So we, we, we use food with emotion entirely too much, uh, I think. And How so, did you become aware of this? Well, I mean, of it in myself or just in society in general? I mean, both. Because, like, I'm fascinated by this. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it in people? Like I made a, a post on our gym page today. What is it in people that makes you makes them do what you did? That just like one day you wake up and you're like, oh, I'm gonna lose three hundred pounds. Okay, so so part of it I think is personality. You know, like our personality matters. What we're raised in matters, um, and things like that. I believe we genetically we're pre-wired for certain things, but environment definitely does play a role in this. I don't think it's nature or nurture. I think it's both, and it's how they interact. And so for me, you know, growing up, man, I mean, I grew up in poverty. Um, I would say it's working poverty, you know, and, and we had what we needed most time, but it was definitely a paycheck to paycheck. Oh, gosh, how are we going to pay for this? That's the reason there. I don't have kids yet. Like, yeah. we're just oh, getting ready dude, to have kids. They're black holes. Like, yes, they're, they're black holes, man. I mean, I've got two, and, and they are expensive. We'll see how the podcast holds up after. Yeah. So, but, yeah, for me, man, it was just I grew up eating all the bad things. Like, my dad ate meat. You know, typically it was fried. Potatoes. You know, typically they had a ton also of butter. Fried. Yeah, a ton of butter, fried gravy, you know, so just really, he didn't eat many vegetables or anything like that. And I ate how he ate. Is he still alive? Uh, yes. But I mean, he's a type 2 diabetic, you know, uh, like he has trouble controlling how, how his old insulin. Is he? He, 
man, he's in his sixth, uh, late 50s, 60s. I can't remember his exact age. Okay. Yeah. I kind of, in my Sorry mind. Sorry for our question. No, it's okay. In my mind, he's pro- he's still 45. At around 45, Isn't that I stopped, weird, man? Yeah, I kind of stopped, you know, keeping up with his age. So, like, sometimes something will be said about, yeah, I'm 59. And I'm like, my dad's turning 60 next yeah. year, and it's weird. It's exactly, weird. it's weird. Um, and so it's it's one of those, and he won't change. You know, he would rather, I mean, he would rather take a pill. That's what I'm talking about, but yet it exists. That- so, so he goes to the doctor, and the doctor tells him, which doctors don't know anything about nutrition 90% of the time. It just, it's, it's not important in their training, but, you know, we trust them because they're experts. The doctor says don't eat anything white. And in some instances, that's pretty... That's pretty good advice. Like, don't eat white processed bread, sure. But so my dad's like, okay, I can't eat a potato. Now, granted, a potato is high on the glycemic index, but so, like, a croissant has, like, <laughs> will spike your blood sugar less than a potato will. I think we can agree. A potato, yeah, 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 you embrace a potato yeah. diet, do you not? I, I eat potatoes, but a potato is better for you than a croissant. But so my dad will come home and he will say, I can't eat potatoes but I'm going to eat four fried pork chops, you know, on sandwiches. And he, I tried to tell him, listen, like when you ingest excess anything, protein, carbohydrates, you know, your body's going to convert, use that some way, shape, form. So he'll eat four pork chops. And then the next morning he wakes up and his blood sugar's high. And he's like, I don't get it. I didn't eat any potatoes, you know. And I'm like, maybe... We got to get him on Joe Rogan's podcast, yeah. dude. Yeah. <laughs> Do- Dr. Rhonda Patrick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, so for me, though, okay, so I I acknowledge, man, like, I've overeaten my whole life. You know, I have. I, I know I have. Uh, college made that worse, you know, because in college you go, I mean, I ate a lot of, you know, meat and potatoes at home, but then you get into a cafeteria where it's just... Salt, sugar, fat. That's Dude, I'm addicted to chocolate milk to this yeah, day. Exactly. And, and so, and you have all this this cafeteria, so it's like, hey, I just had a full meal. I think I'm going to go get some cereal, too, just because. You know, just because I want it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to get some chocolate milk just because one, one semester, man, I, I was kind of like hanging out with this girl a lot, you know, and she ate breakfast every day, you know, and so we realized, okay, we could eat Monday, Wednesday, Friday together. Well, so the first day we eat breakfast, I show up and I've got like, you know, a chicken biscuit and a drink. And this chick's rocking like two chicken biscuits, you know, and a whole like quart of milk because the, the, the university I went to had a dairy farm. So the milk was legit. And so I'm like, how the hell is this girl eating this? Like she's, you know, she's pretty tiny. I know all these tiny girls well, uh, that live on milk. Well, so I started eating like her. And so it would be one of those things where like Monday I'd grab the chicken biscuit, she'd get the milk, then, you know, vice versa. But dude, I was gaining weight nonstop. And so one day I sit down and I talked with her and I was like, well, she, she goes, Hey, chicken biscuits, you get the milk. And I said, actually get me like the wrap, you know, the, the grilled chicken breakfast wrap this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm going to cut out the fried chicken biscuits. And so we got there and she's like, you know, what's going on? And I said, I said, look, I don't know how you're doing this, but like my pants barely fit right now. Like I'm about to have to go up a side. I've got to stop eating this much. And she was like, Oh yeah. So, I manage the women's basketball team. I'm a manager, and they're like a person short this semester. 
in practice. So I fill in and I work out with them. So I just lift weights. Burning with all these calories. Yeah. yeah. So she actually had to increase her okay. calories. Is this in college? She, like, yeah. co- like working exactly. out with a college team? Exactly. Because she was losing so much weight. <sighs> but so in college, I overate and, and, and I worked a pretty active job. But once I got into grad school, my eating habits didn't change. But yeah. my lifestyle did. I started working more behind a desk, you know, type, type job. And then I got out of that. So what caused me to change was my wife. My wife, I mean, I married up, you know, in, in I like, too. yeah, you know, like, I mean, I, I look at, dude, I look at our wedding photo and I'm like, why the hell did she marry me? Like, you know, probably I, for all the right reasons, I, I, dude. Yeah. But I'm like, I just don't get it. You know? Cause I mean, do you think how trivial of her? Like, oh, I mean, oh, my I wife it. is beautiful. Yeah. But like, like, and how my values have changed because like, mm-hmm. as like a teenager or whatever, it's like, oh, this girl is so hot. Right. She's hot. But it's like, that's just not, is that really important? Or looks really important? Right. Like, and she married me because of my personality, you know, because of who I was. And, and that's a good thing. I just, I joke about that, but she was terrified of me passing away. She was terrified of losing me. And so she would talk to me constantly. And dude, I wasn't ready to make change. Like the single greatest thing I know about counseling was taught to me in grad school. Um, I really messed up in a, in a session with someone and I learned this. And, and so it's not anything complicated or hard, but the pain to stay, the, the pain to stay the same has to become greater than the pain to change because change is hard and painful. And so for me, I had to like, I had to recognize the pain in my life of, Things like, can I go to this movie theater? You know, we want to go to a movie as a family, but can I fit in the seats? Like, that's where I was, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, can, like, when we bought my daughter's car, I could not test drive it, you know, because I couldn't fit in the damn thing, (laughs) right? So there was all these things, and I mean, so one, my wife was worried about me. Two, my wife was a prisoner because of my weight, because if I couldn't do it, we couldn't do it type thing. And she was just terrified. Um that she was going to lose me and everything. And so I don't know that I really valued myself at the time enough to make that. Like if I wouldn't have been married to her, I don't know that I would have made this change. Um, but, but her and I, I just, I'm all about, and this is just how I kind of live my life. This is how I do counseling. I'm all about values. Like what do you value in your life? And then do your actions reflect what you value because, you know, if they don't, then maybe you don't truly value that as much as you think. So for me, I had to come to the conclusion that I ate, like, to make myself feel better because my life was painful. But that was a vicious cycle that was only causing me more pain. Yeah, yeah. That's and, a great way of looking at it. And so we left the big and tall store. I went and bought a, you know, I went and bought a new sh- some new shirts and stuff because I, you know, gained more weight. And uh, I remember we were we were in the truck and uh, we were leaving and my wife looked at me and she said, so uh, what size shirt did you buy? And I said, uh, 6XLT. And she goes, so on their window, they say they sell to a 7XLT. And I said, mm-hmm, yeah, that's right. And she said, what do we do whenever you don't fit in a 7XLT anymore? Because she already knew, like, you know, we're, I'm just... I'm not losing weight. I'm actually gaining weight. Um, and, and I said, no, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. And so that's, 
that's kind of that and just a really hard conversation about her being scared of losing me, me realizing like she's starting to resent me because she's a prisoner of my life, yeah. of my weight. And so, uh, you know, what my personality type, I'm just, is, is extreme. That's just how I am. If I'm going to do something, You're I'm going to do it. Exactly. You know, like that's just how I, I, I've done things. And so whenever I was in college, um, man, I've done every diet that I think is, is imaginable. I've done carb busters or sugar busters, whatever it's called, which is basically, you know, a different variation comes out every now and then. Keto, Atkins, all of those are very similar to me. Uh, I've done Weight Watchers. You know, I've done, man, one time I lost a ton of weight doing 1,200 calories. You know, I did 1,200 mm-hmm. yeah. calories a day, and I was, like, working out nonstop. So I was probably burning, you know, at least four or 500 calories. So I really wasn't getting a whole lot of caloric intake. So my body was burning fat, and I lost, like, 60 pounds. But the problem was as soon as I quit eating 1,200 calories – I didn't change the nutrition. I just changed the portion. Mm, and whenever I yeah, went back yeah. to eating what I normally ate, I blew back up plus some. And that's psychologically difficult to to suffer. I deal, yes, yeah. I deal with that with people in the gym sometimes. It's a trade-off. Yeah, so to suffer and gain something and then to <clears> lose <throat> it, man, psychologically, that's terrifying and hard. So, But in college, man, I met this dude. I worked with him, and his, his name was Will. And, uh, dude, Will was a vegan but he was like the most ripped vegan I'd ever seen in my I, life. Dude, I've seen some ripped vegans. Yeah. And, and so vegan for me was typically like a hippie, really pale, you know, like they're low in B12, so they're going to die. call them also wooks yeah. in my end of the world. That's why that print has a wookie on it. Okay. Because these, those are the people that go to that type of music festival. Yeah, so so that's what that's what it was. But, but one night, uh, a lot of times, and I would say he was probably vegan 90% of the time, vegetarian the other 10 but, but he would eat pizza. And so I would stop and pick him up a pizza. And he would eat a little bit of cheese occasionally. And, uh, and he always, like, I didn't know this at the time. I didn't know that he was a vegan. I didn't know that he was a vegetarian. I just knew he liked cheese pizza. So one Cheapy. night, yeah. So one night I stopped by Papa John's. And it was one of those things where I was working 11 to 7. So I gained a ton of weight when I was doing that because I would eat to keep myself awake, you know, energy. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I stopped by and they were having a thing like you buy a large pizza, you get, you know, a medium cheese for a buck. So, I, you know, I grabbed that and I went to work and I was like, hey, bro, your pizza's in the, you know, in the closet. So he goes in and he goes, oh, man, I can't eat this. And I'm like, why? He goes, they gave you the wrong pizza. They gave you a pepperoni pizza. And I was like, why can't you eat a pepperoni pizza? He was like, well, because I'm kind of like a vegan, dude. I was like, I was like, bullshit. <laughs> You're not a vegan. You're Jewish. Yeah. You can't eat yeah. pork. Admit it. And, and he goes, well, I'm a vegan 90% of the time. I do eat a little bit of cheese, but I feel bad about it. And, um, and so I felt really bad he couldn't eat the pizza. But I started talking to him. I'm like, dude, I don't understand this. Like, you're massive. You know, you're athletic. Like, dude was like 6'6 six, six and had a ton of muscle. And so he kind of talked to me about why he had went vegan. He played college ball. He was constantly getting injured. And an athletic trainer who was vegan told him, you may have a very inflammatory body. And if so. I think that's on I have, dude. Yeah. He said, if so, this could possibly help you. And so he started out doing it, and inflammation got better. He'd get injured, but he healed quicker, and then eventually wasn't he wasn't getting injured anymore. Maybe I need to look into veganism. I, I'm worried about vitamin deficiencies more than anything. Yeah. yeah. So and I understand that, but so I did that, 
and I lost like in a, in thirty days, bro. I lost two pant sizes. I felt great. Wow. I was yeah. playing bass at church, and it was one of those things, dude. I would put that bass on, you know, ten pound, eleven pound bass. I'd play you know, it. That's the difference. Yeah, and so I'd take it off, and you know, then the pastor would preach, and there was a couch like in a, in the lobby of the church, and I would go out the back way, and sometimes I would have to lay on that couch because I was so tired. Oh wow. You know, because I'm carrying my own weight plus twelve pounds. Yeah. Now, you know, yeah. Playing. I didn't think about that. Well, Metabia, I yeah. noticed like after about thirty days of being vegetarian slash vegan. Losing weight, feeling better. I like, I didn't have to go lay down. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I kind of kept it wow. up. But it was really hard for me because I wasn't in college. I wasn't cooking much. And socially, food is a huge thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so it was really hard. So eventually, I just said, okay, I'm going to eat meat. Well, guess what? I started eating meat again. And I gained all the weight back. Damn. So so here we are. I'm married. I'm sitting on my couch at home. My wife is crying. I don't remember what initiated this kind of, you know, breakdown of her just saying, I love you, but this life is too hard for me. I'm worried Damn. you're going to die type thing. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And I told her, I said, listen, the only time in my life that I have ever just lost weight and I didn't feel like I was dieting, you know, I didn't feel like I was losing something was when I went vegan. And I said, there's this movie that I've been told to watch and, and it's forks over knives. Oh um, yeah. 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 And so we watched that. And, uh, and my wife, my wife is a vegetable eater. Dude, I want to, uh, oh, let me pause real quick. Yeah. I have to pee so bad. Oh. Like, like, like right when we were playing yeah. music level bad. Yes. But for you, I want to hear about forks over knives okay. because, um, I've, I, I got, I, I want to hear what your take is on that. I'll be okay. right back. Yeah. Uh, if I'm ever working on this computer and the cats are around, it's uh, when typically my fatter house cat is mm-hmm. like right here. She is just like, um, she, when we got her, she's already fixed, but she was a kitten. So her head's small. Mm-hmm. So her body is disproportionate to like <laughs> everything. Uh, like her, her head's small, but her body is large. And um, it's, it's just funny. She's like a little low rider mm-hmm. rolling around because she doesn't, but yeah. she's always at my buddy in here and stuff. So forks over knives. Yes. I'm trying to, okay, so I remember getting exposed to this, but Mm -hmm. that is not the documentary that caught all the flack for sort of pseudoscience. No, I don't think so. Um, What was the one that came out like a year ago or something on Netflix? Everybody watched it and was freaking out, but it had a real vegan slant to it. I I think that was What the Health. Well, uh, that's it. Yeah. But Forks Over Knives, I heard about that in college yeah. in biology, actually. Yeah. And so What the Health was not a bad movie, per se, but it was, like, I agree with a lot of what's in that movie. Let me say that. But it was really, um, what's the, like, sensational. You know, it was kind of a sensationalist movie, and, and, and it was really easy to kind of pick it apart. Now, Forks Over Knives, I mean, it just, it was a movie about how a plant-based diet, which these terms Earth that grown we, nutrients. Yeah, they, these terms that we use can get perverted, just like Christianity or anything else. So like, but a, a plant-based diet, I mean, you're you're seeing like now we see like the the impossible burgers, plant-based. But yeah, I what mean, do you think? Have you had impossible burgers? I think that's bullshit. No, I kind of do too. Um so, I, so here here's the thing. At like as someone who which I don't like to call myself a vegan, um, I don't really like the V word, you know, I think it has a, ne- a militant connotation to it where, you know, like if me and you were sitting you here. You get stereotyped, man. Yeah, and if you're eating a beef burrito and I'm eating a bean burrito, I'm not going to be like, do you realize the echo side you're, you know, <laughs> or anything like that. I'm not yeah. going to be an asshole to you uh, or anything. But um, so, so 
I don't really plant based is being used now a lot to market things. It's it's kind of becoming a trend. And and antibiotic free. Yeah. Uh, you know, like chicken, gluten free. Of course, chicken is gluten free. It's meat. You know, like unless it's breaded, it's gluten free. But uh, but so a whole foods plant based diet is what I'm talking about, and that's where you you know you take minimally processed food, you know, plants, and you eat that. And so a vegan diet, man. I mean, you can eat Lay's potato chips and you know drink Coca Cola. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's, Which that's is, a, I see a lot of vegans yeah. that they aren't the they aren't the like your buddy. They aren't the pinnacle of health, right? And and oftentimes they're getting vitamin D or uh, vitamin. Well, I, I mean, man, a lot of people, particularly like in Arkansas, mm-hmm. that time of year will get D deficient. That's not oh, uncommon. Yeah. Well, but, and and the thing, it's not uncommon to get D deficient even as a meat eater. You know? Yeah. And K so, K is one yeah. I hear about a lot. And so we we have to be mindful of that no matter what we eat. But I think one of the things that we're going to see, and I'll get back to the Forks Over Knives Whales thing, but I, I think that one of the things that we're going to see is in 5, 10, 20 years, we're going to really start seeing vegans that are just as unhealthy as people who eat a lot of processed foods that have meat in them and stuff because mm-hmm. of the impossible, the beyond. Like, you know, it's just... It's junk. <laughs> it, it, it defeats the purpose. Exactly. Of the, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the, the saturated fat in an Impossible Burger, I mean, it's from coconut, you know, coconut oil or whatever, but it's still saturated fat. It's still going to clog arteries. So, but but going back to the forced over knives thing, um, and, and that's really, they're eating a plant-based diet in its correct form in my mind, which is a lot of leafy green vegetables, you know, Whole grains. You ever juice? No, I don't juice. Now I do, and see, in that in the plant based world, some people are about juicing, some people aren't. I tend to kind of be on the I'm not really for juicing because I want the fiber mm-hmm. of, of food. Smoothies is kind of that middle ground for me that I like because yeah. I get the fiber, but I still get the you know antioxidants and things like that. I'm not saying juicing is. I wrong. like it every now and then. We yeah. try, we dabbled, and we have a really nice juicer. Mm-hmm. I forget what. It's one of like the ninjas or something. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a nice juicer, and there's certain things that um, I like being able to juice, like beets and ginger yeah. sure. and and some uh, turmeric. There's mm-hmm. some things like that that uh, I think it's easier to get the health benefits from juicing them. But like we don't do it very often. Yeah. In the but the leafy green vegetables. See, I'm not like much of a salad eater. That's what made me think of that. I'm not either. You know, I never have been really. Um, but. Yeah, so, yeah, man, just when we first did it, I'll tell you, we did it wrong. You know, we really weren't eating a plant-based diet. We were eating a slightly, we were eating a little vegetarian. Vegan slant. Vegan with more processed things, you know, involved. We were still leaning heavily on that as we gave up (laughs) products. And I still ate cheese um, for probably, I'd say, the first six months to a year. And honestly, dude, I never would have said this. Before I never would have thought this. Cheese was harder to give up than any cheese, meat, dude. and I people really are do. like, "No, no, no! I could totally give up cheese before I gave up bacon or, or beef. You know, I could totally give up cheese before that." But man, the thing is, if you put a, a beef burrito and a bean burrito side by side, smothered in queso, both of them are going to taste wonderful because of the queso. You know, if you take away the queso off both, you know. Like, that bean burrito, especially now, yeah. is not that impressive, you know, at first when you're used to eating that. But what I found was, for me, and again, going to my personality, I wasn't getting great results. I was losing some weight. I was feeling a little better. But um, whenever I ate cheese, I wanted more cheese. 
Whenever Did, I ate cheese, I wanted, I wanted meat. Like, like it was like that addiction factor for me was there. What so, do you, th- what do you think? Um, was cheese? I mean, was cheese like that? Like, was it like an addictive property hard to give up? Like. Or, like, did you notice, like, like what you are saying earlier with, like, your energy levels? Did you notice, like, when you kick cheese that it was, like, you you're like you noticed the effects? Or? Oh, yeah. So so I will say that, that food is addictive in nature. Like, and, and food is engineered to be addictive. Like, I know. He, like, these, these food industries, the food industry spends millions of dollars every year to um, figure out how to make your dopamine fire, you know, uh, like, take ice cream, for instance. Ice cream, to me, is a good example of that. If we take a pint of ice cream, and we just set it out here while we're doing this podcast, we don't touch it, we don't eat it, it melts in the, the container. And then we pour a little bit in a bowl for me and a little bit for you, you know, and anyone else. Would people really want that? No. It's going it, to be just this, like, thing that makes us kind of, like, we're going to take a bite of it, and we're going to be like, oh, this is going to make me sick. Weird. Right? But it's the same thing. It's just not frozen. There's nothing in nature that is that sweet for us. And by freezing That's it, a great, we're yeah. tricking our brain. Our brain is not going to say, well, this is probably going to make us sick. The, the freezing it is the key to making ice cream palatable. If you take anything, <laughs> if you take it and let it melt, you're not going to want it. You're going to go either freeze it or throw it away. I don't, I don't want melted ice cream. But it's the same product. It's just served in a different way. So the food industry is really good about figuring out what is it that's going to make our dopamine fire in our brain? What is it that's going to give us that, uh, you know, when we take a bite of it for the first time? If we've had a stressful day, if we've had a happy day or whatever. So, you know, for me, cheese did that very much so. Love cheese. Like, cheese, yeah. peanut butter, and gravy, man. Yeah. Like you put any of that on anything. Yeah, so cheese did that. So I realized as we were doing this, okay, I'm not really getting the results that I want. Like I'm reading about all these people who went plant-based and I lost all this weight. And I'm like, man, I've lost like 10 pounds in two months, but you know, mm-hmm. like, or three months. But, and, and I would notice if we had pizza, like we'd go to Papa Murphy's and pick up a couple Rest of pizzas. Rest in peace, dude. They're yeah. gone. Are They're they? closed. Man, I just bought pizza there like two weeks ago. They closed last week. Whoa. Sign of the times here in Buck wow. County. They were pretty expensive, but the quality. I they had like a big good. customer base, man. From I mean, everybody is upset that they closed. Yeah. Cora and I didn't eat there a whole lot, but um, I mean, we did probably half a dozen times over the years. Sure. But, but, you know, whenever we would do that, I would notice, okay, if I eat pizza on Sunday, on Monday, I'm trying to figure out like, how do I get how do I get that fix again? Like how do I get cheese again? You know what I mean? And so so I realized, okay, I've got to I've got to stop it. I've got to get off cheese completely. And that was hard. But did it really, you know, started trying to trying to do more whole foods too, less processed things. Um, and so doing that, I started I started seeing weight drop drastically. Uh, it, it was it was a huge thing. And and I mean a part of that is one is just good nutrition. I was putting better things in my body than I was, you know. But two, I mean, plant foods are generally lower in calorie content, you know, than meat, eggs, and dairy. Meat, eggs, and dairy usually have a higher calorie content than their plant, you know, like sides and things like that. So I was also probably getting less calories and I lost weight because of it. But what interested me about Forks Over Knife specifically was any diet, you know, I mean, keto, you can lose weight doing keto, you know, like you can lose weight taking chemotherapy, (laughs) you know, like weight loss was always what I chased. 
And I kind of wellness. Like, exactly. Wellness is now what I've become interested in. And so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different perspectives when it comes to wellness. Uh, I'm, I'm what I would call a plant-based evangelist. Like I believe in the power of a whole foods plant-based diet. I'm not talking about going buying Gardein vegan burgers. That's bullshit. I don't eat crap like that. I'm talking about brown rice, purple rice, red rice, sweet potatoes, um, you know, beans, uh, kale, spinach, mm-hmm. mushrooms, you know, tomatoes. What's your favorite kind of beans? Uh, man, we eat a ton of black beans. We do too. Yeah. Uh, love black beans. But honestly, um, I probably prefer a pinto bean. Dude, I love pinto. Like, Cora, doesn't, <laughs> yeah. it's not a real big – well, I will say, like, I think it's because she ate them growing up. And, mm-hmm. like, maybe I was, like, I, I, I always, like, am, am picking her. I'm, like, do we not eat beans because you equivalent that with being poor when you were a yeah. kid? Yeah, and, yeah. like, I think for pinto beans, it was, like, very much like her dad made them all the time. Yeah, so so a black bean is really kind of, I mean, <clears throat> to me it's not as versatile, you know what I mean? Like, a pinto is really creamy and really versatile to me. A red bean, on the other hand, is really starchy and has no flavor at all. You know, you really have to soup whatever the dish is. I mean, that's why red beans and rice traditionally has a ton of butter, a ton of sodium, you know, and, and a ton of, you know, heat with it. But, but yeah, so like those are the things that I believe are health promoting foods. And that's what I try to eat, you know, in a day, you know, I, I think it's important that we eat these healthy foods because what I, what I see is as a society, you know, we are leaning more on the unhealthy foods and I would say meat, eggs and dairy, like, if you're going to eat them, I think it should be a small part of your diet and you buy the best quality that you can, you know, so it, it has as minimal effects. But, like, what we're seeing is, you know, we're getting away from farm to table, you know, which there's a movement for that. But mm-hmm. but for the most part, you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know how it was processed. You know, chicken is packed with sodium, you know, from the assembly line. You know, this big food industry, you know, doing all this crap to our food. And so, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, for me, I ate too much of it. I didn't eat a serving of it, um, even a day, a meal. I ate, like, three servings in a meal with no vegetables or anything like that. I just believe in, and for me, wellness, I knew, man, at 600 and some pounds, 6XLT T-shirt, size, what, 60 pants maybe I was in, okay, my body was not meant for this. And I have probably done damage. I am interested not in weight loss. I have an uncle who is a size 28 jeans, and that dude is constantly having health issues. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. This orthopedic surgeon I've been training martial arts with, yeah. ironically, 71, but he had heart surgery. Right. And he's a doctor. Right. And he's like, don't eat meat. That's what he told me. Yeah. He's like, you see this? He's like, that's for me, too much meat. Yeah, and, and so, you know, it's one of those things, man. You know, not only that, not only, okay, so I will say this. I don't think that meat is just this evil food. There are nutrients in meat. Okay? Yeah, yes. There are. But there, there are also downsides. And if you eat too much of it, I mean, Caldwell Esselstyn, who's one of the guys in Fort Worth, would tell you that the fat in it's going to damage your endothelial cells. You should never eat meat. And I don't eat meat. I, I don't want to eat meat. I, I never will eat meat again. But there are, there are some nutritional things there, but there also could be be some damage. But then you take meat and you serve it at McDonald's. Now there are no nutritional things. You know what I mean? So like if you are going to eat meat, 
you have to eat the best quality that you can. And even then, I think if you eat too much of it, especially, you could have damage. And this is just my opinion and, and what I subscribe to with the research I've done. But yeah, I just, more and more, man, we're living this drive-through diet, you know, where, I mean, it, 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 it's gotten progressively worse. And I think Forks Over Knives did a really good job of this to show, okay, this is how we used to eat. Then the supermarket was introduced. Processed foods came into play. Processed meat, processed well, wheat. Advertising, yeah. too, like we mentioned with gluten-free and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like that coming around in the 20s and stuff, but or like earlier 1900s. Well, well so, so, yeah, so the food industry in itself is dangerous because we started out eating a certain way, you know, I mean, and then, you know, we got supermarket processed foods, buying all the food in the inside aisles is pretty terrible for you in most cases. Then we get diners and drive-ins. Then we get fast food. And they do a really good job of showing that. And so um, Diet Fiction is a, is a movie that, that is kind of on Amazon Prime right now and things right now. We just watched it the other night. I don't know how new it is. But I'll check it out, yeah. I got, yeah. I got Prime. But what they were really good about in that, I feel like, was um, where food, Forks Over Knives talked about the food industry. Diet Fiction talks about the diet industry and how when obesity became a public health epidemic, the diet industry swooped in. They made a ton of money, and they made yeah. everybody confused. Yeah, true that. You Why know. is health so confusing? It's because, and, and this sounds conspiracy-like theory. Yeah, hey, I'm conspiratorial-minded. Here's the deal to me. <clears throat> Dead people don't make money. Healthy people don't make money. But sick people do. Okay? In industry. Exactly. So you have the food industry, the diet industry, and big pharma keeping us alive but sick. And that's what's making money. To me, there's a there. Oh, there is a documentary out there called something something and nearly dead or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, fat, fat sick, fat sick and nearly yeah, dead something or something like that. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched that one, but I need to. I love documentaries. <laughs> me too, man. I I I've really I'm always on my um, classes, man. Because like you were, we were talking about um, teaching methods and mm -hmm. we're playing music and stuff, but like the number of like I've become aware, like I was mentioning earlier, it's like I, I need to get a audio copy of this book because, like, I, that's how I I'm self aware now mm -hmm. that audio books, and I was still trying to stick with reading. I'm very auditory as well, but like my I'm like seven pages in, and I'm like, man, what do a couple pages say? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, you uh, kind of count the uh, chapter. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm like, it's like oh, only twenty more pages till I can get up. Uh huh. You know, whereas like. Oh, I'm rocking my textbook on the way to work today. You know, mm -hmm. it, so it's just I'm always playing a podcast in the background or doing something like that. Audio is where it's at for me. Yeah, a lot of times when I'm like brushing up on something, I'm like, okay, I need to brush up on Gestalt. Instead of looking at the textbook, I will find like a good video. A lot of times, a resource I'm using for the class, yeah. I'll put in a blackboard. You know, I'll listen to Khan Academy teach about Gestalt just so it's fresh on my mind. Because I would rather do that than take out the textbook and read it, you know. But, yeah. And so so that was for me with Forks Over Knives. It was like, okay, I, I'm going to watch this, and I'm going to enjoy it because it's a documentary. If I get something from it, fantastic. You know, and so that kind of started me where I am, and then I've kind of tweaked things along the way. I'm constantly trying to eat greener, healthier foods and things like that. But, yeah. So What's your favorite green vegetable? Kale. Kale and broccoli. Those two things. How do you eat your kale, man? I can't, I can't ever get into kale. I like it raw best so um, you just like a salad yes yeah, so, raw so, kale so what i what i like to do 
Uh, I used to like hide it in things. <laughs> like I would like put it in the food processor and like just. That's um, why I was asking about juicing. Almost, if you almost emulsify it. I mean, the fiber and everything's still there, but get it so chopped up, I, I throw it in a soup or something. So it's like I'm not really having to chew it. But now I really like the chew of kale. But the way that I prepare it is I just I take it off the stems, you know, tear it up, cut it up, whatever. And then I put some sort of acid on it, lemon juice, uh, you know, some type of vinegar, apple cider, or balsamic. And then I just squeeze the crap out of it to break down some of that fiber. That's that's the key to getting kale uh, to where it doesn't, like, choke you. Um, but, yeah, it's really good. So I don't, I don't really eat a lot of salads, but I eat a lot of things that I serve over greens, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So, like, I mean, it's not uncommon for me. My family doesn't necessarily like this, but I, I do it. You know, I may make beans and stuff like that, but I will put it on top of just a bed of kale. And, you know, it's yeah. it's it's more of a soup with kale in it. But, yeah. And then I love... We, we do some salads like that where we'll put... We'll, Cora makes some salads of bite beans or pinto mm-hmm. beans. It's different. I'm all about cruciferous vegetables. Cruciferous. Cruciferous vegetables, yeah. Or the bet, like, talking about, like, you know, your, your friend that's a doctor that said, don't eat meat. This is what causes... Cruciferous vegetables will actually improve blood flow when you eat them. They oxygenate the blood. Uh, broccoli, kale, cilantro, parsley, those are wonderful for you. you do you grow, uh, you grow any of your own vegetables? So, man, for me, that's honestly, you know, I told you, like, I'm constantly trying to progress. That's, for me, is probably the next step In the is future. to start trying to grow my own food. We've got about three acres where I live that we do nothing with. Dude, where do you live? Uh, well, without, like, doxing your address on the I podcast. I live in Dardanelle. Okay, 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 yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, so I didn't know how far how far you're coming, because yeah. I was at the music store, like, playing guitars and yeah. stuff, and you you said you're headed this way, and I was like, no, I've done it again. Because I've never had a, po- a podcast guest here waiting on me, but one yeah. time I got... Tied up at the university on my way out, and I had a guest who was going to meet me here, and I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry if you're yeah. there. Yeah, no, I saw you texting me that, and I'm like, I'm like 30 minutes away, so perfect. You know, it's, it's good. No, you yeah, you live close to Dardell, or I, uh, I live on the outside of it. Did you guys have any uh, flooding? Mm-hmm. No, 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 we're we're too far away for that. I was worried during that because I mean I'm not from this area, so I was mm-hmm. like, are we somehow going to flood? Did you do you take the back way to get to Malton or uh, Pottsville? Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, so yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what I do is I go through like a lot of times I take the interstate for so I go through Pottsville, then on the interstate. But what I really like to do is go through Pottsville, then just turn there by the Dollar General and go yeah, through yeah. Atkins. It's it's an easy drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's how I usually do that. Cool. I guess some people uh, that live over around more like Centerville will mm-hmm. take like the Pettygene way. Yes. Is that a way you can get? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I've never driven that I, way to Moralton, but yeah, we actually um, I went to a conference that was on Pettygene Mountain, and uh, and so Rock it was too. yeah, it was so easy to get you know there from where I live, just really easy to just go the back way, you know. I don't do that. I don't know if that would be shorter for me than Pottsville. I need to look at that, but yeah, but yeah, it was a really good drive, pretty drive. So yeah, yeah. Honestly, my goal, like, I want to move. Where, like, uh, what, what direction? So, <clears throat> my wife works in Russell. I work in Moralton. So, honestly, I kind of like Pottsville because yeah. if I can get near the interstate. Great school district. Yeah. It, well, and so the thing is, the reason we're not is my youngest daughter has like three more years in high school. So, we want to let her finish yes. high school at Gardnell. She doesn't want to okay. move. So, yeah. so, after that, my wife does not want to move. I do. So, I'm trying to talk her into let's move to Pottsville. So, 
work is 15 minutes for me. Work is the same, if not less, for you, you know, and we're good. But we'll see. Man, I honestly just never want to move. I tell Corey that all oh, the time. The I'm just like, you know, we'll just build a carport, add on a sunroom, and never, ever get another house ever as long as we live. We'll get new siding, too. But um, we're not moving. Yeah. But, but, like, moving to, like, Pottsville or Crow Mountain area, mm-hmm. I think would be uh, – but, dude, here's the thing, man. Like, I I anticipate being at <laughs> – that job for probably 10 years mm-hmm. beyond that. I don't know. I was telling you earlier, like I've got my 10 year plan mapped out, but it's like when I'm, when I'm debt free. Yeah. And that may occur before 10 years. I don't know. Cause like basically like I have some student loans, mm-hmm. but I don't even know. Like they're not, they're a non-issue because of that job. Sure. Sure. The non-issue plus leisure is a non-issue because mm-hmm. of that job. If we want to go do it things. It just makes your or, life more comfortable. Yeah. It does. You know? And then like, so like, this things like, I mean, we have uh, like the business. It's like we obviously can't pay ourselves everything that we make out. It's like we have a fixed income with what we pay ourselves mm-hmm. from the business. But like that being the situation, like something like we're about to get gutters put on the house like on Monday, it's like 600 bucks. Oh, dude. But it's, an, it's an on It's just like, oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We just had new gutters put on. That was like two grand for us. Oh, dude. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. Yeah. Um, I've got a gutter guy yeah. that he did the gym. He's doing my house. He bid me the gym again. I'm talking like the gym's a hundred foot of gutter mm-hmm. with four downspouts, and yeah. he, and he was bid me. And he he says that he says people hit you like a two thousand dollar quote, and he's doing my uh, all new on the front with uh, three downspouts, and on the back portion of my deck. Um, with two downspouts, and he's telling me how he's going to do it. And he's putting it to where this one up here has a guard because I got the pine tree. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, it would be like 600 bucks." Yeah, so so for me, I had three people bid it. And the guy that I went with was actually, he was not the cheapest, but what I liked about him was he actually pointed out, pro- like we've had some drainage problems with all the rain we've got. Mm-hmm. And he was like, dude, the reason you're having problems is like, the way that they did this, you need another downspout here. He said they angled everything towards this back end of the house, and the gutter can't, like, get rid of it, so it's coming over. Yeah. And so he actually pointed out, like, there are problems, and, and we can do, you need to do this, this, this. And so we, we've done that, and now we're not having those, you know, issues when it rains and stuff. So I'm about to get drainage out, yeah. uh, French drain in my driveway. Yeah. Like, we're, because... The, the driveway out here wasn't always a pull-through. Mm-hmm. Like, we had this pad put in, and I'm continuing to build that pad up next to my deck, so I, we want to do a carport out there eventually, mm-hmm. and that'll be when I make my move of, like, that studio go out there. I'll mm-hmm. put some mats down, hang a heavy bag. Yeah. It'll be great. We're, like, we missed a narrow window where I feel like we could have built, like, a shop house next to the gym before they changed the zoning. Yeah. Um, but... That is not like Cora never wanted to live at the gym, so gotcha. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So for me though, with like wh- where I work, so like that's my main squeeze. Like you know, that's you know, and it's how long it's, have you worked there? Man, I've worked there. I think this is this is oh god, I think this is my I'm going on my seventh year. Do you one of the first people I met when I started working yeah. there for whatever reason? Mm-hmm. I think it's because we all went out to lunch. Right. Yeah. Because Dana invited me. Dana always kind of included me with that. and so He's a like, great. I, mean, I called him yesterday when I was leaving because I've been trying to get him to come in. Um, I've done several privates with him in jiu-jitsu, mm-hmm. and um, he needs kind of like – I'm trying to get some 
old, like, okay, like, so, like, one of our transitions, like, growing up, the adult side of what we do mm-hmm. is getting more people, like, not yourself, per se. You're kind of still that age where it's, like, I see tons of people sign up there, 32 years old. Right. But, like, 40-year-olds, you know, 45-year-olds. Right. So, like, we got this guy, 71, and it's, like, I'm trying to get more people like that. Mm-hmm. I, and then be, like, hey, you guys can work out together. Oh, you don't want to do the sparring portion? Not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, when we start rolling, you guys go. So when we are able to run the new schedule we put together and the new model, it's going to allow us to um, basically we'll have a class and then we want to do, like, crazy, intense roles, which we would never really do, but, like, more just like, all right, class is over, now we're rolling. Mm-hmm. Like, the sparring portion of jiu-jitsu. Sure. So, um but that's been something, like, with Dana, it's like, you know, he's just not going to benefit any from rolling with, like, right. m- one of my 25-year-old brown belts mm-hmm. in jiu-jitsu. It's like, but he will benefit from coming to class, getting the wellness portion of it, moving around, sweating, mm-hmm. and then afterwards getting over with some other people that that's their niche, too. It's like they can't do... you got to meet people where they are. Exactly. In, in anything you do in life, whether it's fitness, whether it's, you know, like, wellness overall, mental, physical... So, yeah, I completely agree with that. But, yeah, so, yeah, so with with the job that I'm at, man, I love it. But, again, like you, like, I've, you know, I'm asking myself, how long am I going to be here? Not in terms of I'm necessarily unhappy, but it just, I don't know, man. It's just kind of hard to, you know, like, as young as I am, I reach things at a much earlier age than I thought I was. Oh, you know? man, I know. And, so and that's you, like the... I'm like, I thought this was... Gonna, I mean, the last director was in her 40s, you know, and she'd worked, you know, so I'm like, okay, this will happen when I'm in my 40s. Well, now I'm in my 30s and it's happened. Now I'm like, I've got a long-ass time until I retire, like 20 years. If I put in 20 years total there, I will not be eligible to retire. You know, and 20 years is a long time to be at one job. So I do ask, and then also just financial, you know, well-being. I mean, I try to be really smart with my money. I, You know, I save, I put back, I invest... But I think to myself, like, you know, especially in higher ed, maybe I need to, you know, pursue a doctorate. You know, maybe I need to try to move up, you know, Man, to, I've, that's to get that financial constantly, security. I don't know. I'll tell you two things that are longer-term goals of mine. And mm-hmm. one, dude, I never, ever, and I don't even like saying it right now because it's like I don't even believe that one gets into politics. Mm-hmm. But like hell – Somebody like me is going to go through what my wife and I just went through as a business owner in my fucking community. Yeah. Like, I'm just telling people this. It's like, as soon as we get this move initiated, because we had a 90-day offer, contingent offer accepted on a a space that meets 100% of our needs. Sure. And we got to sell our building. The bank's like, hey, re-interject all this capital into the other building once you sell yours. Ours, like, we're pretty confident it's going to sell. We've got a couple of people look at it. It's only been on the market a week. But it's like, that is, it's like the light. Like, I can't even do, I can't even say and do things right now out of fear that people will show up and write me tickets from code enforcement mm-hmm. or out of fear that the city council people, even from my own ward, that have offered me their help and like, hey, we're going to get this... Because hopefully we move and we don't have, but if we don't, we got to go back to like, oh, I'm going to build on my property. Mm-hmm. And you saying things to me like, that's fine. You know, that's, 
that's a law, Brian, unless you pay us $5,000. Like, that's not going to exist. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a peripheral thing on a back burner for me, but it's like I'm going to deal solely in unelected positions first. I feel like that's where all the corruption's at. It's like all the city planning, unelected. Or we just got a new city planner, works for the real estate company. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like the the sort of backdoor special interest are disgusting. Once you once you get presented with like the lay of the land and it's just like I'm gonna I'm just gonna shine light on it as soon. But it's like I keep making this point. It's like how many of you leaders, everybody likes to call them leaders, I'm like representatives, they're a representative. Right. How many of you representatives have a background in political science that aren't lawyers or judges? None. Mm-hmm. And I mean none beyond having like maybe an American government class in high school right. and then maybe a civics class or American government college civics in high school. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand that. And I don't, I, it just, it's, it's baffled me. I'm like, man, these are some weird problems to have. And also there's nothing... Some of the problems we ran into, it was like, yeah, yeah, this is standard. Just go get your architectural designs, you know, blah, blah. And then they're like, we, you move into phases, and then they start hitting you with this enforcement. And they're like, oh, that's going to be $100,000, man, like extra. Forget your subcontracting. That doesn't matter. You're in phase four now, and phase four is where we tell you that you have to do this sidewalk and drainage and all this stuff. Unless you pay us five thousand dollars, you got you got to pay a hundred unless you pay five, mm-hmm. and it's like five is just enough too. Where it's like why it pissed me off so much because like I would pull that from liquidity in my business to pay that, mm-hmm. and then it's like well what are you gonna do with five grand? Well we're gonna go put drainage in for somebody that that needs it, and I'm like so you mean tech? Because you had tax money appropriated for my street. And you didn't even, you did put some asphalt on top of the street, left part of it a dirt road, but you made a dead end street almost to tech. Mm-hmm. And it's weird, man. It's weird how that that's the, that's what I've experienced, like that a whole story of what we've experienced for, because we're trying to, a 12 month period trying to build and $20,000 invested. And me cutting all of those losses out by getting this offer accepted on this building is the only way we're willing to walk away. Like, this, the losses we've cut and, like, what the appraisal of the new building will be and what yeah. capital we'll get if we sell our building at the rock-bottom price that we have to sell it at to get out. But it's like, that's not going to happen again. Because mm-hmm. this... You were like the hundredth person I've told this week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we put out some videos and they got 10,000 views. Right. And it's like, that's what got the city council contacting us. But it's like, we can't say, I, there's no being pro-marijuana dispensary. There's no being pro-casino. There's Like everybody around town that I network with is afraid of getting, like of, of pissing off the this wing or that wing or, or whatever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Same bird stereotype right here. Exactly, exactly. And that's one of the things I think I've, I've come to realize more and more. You know, I mean, I would say I was, like earlier when I was talking about the religious background and things, I was very conservative. You know, I was, I was uh, like, W was the man. You know what I mean? I'm still, I mean, that's the thing, man. I, I, like, I'm still pretty conservative. Well, well, I went the opposite end, man. I went super liberal. You know what I mean? And, and I'm I, liberal I, in some ways. And I explored that. And now... I'm at the age where I'm kind of like, you know, that side is pretty dangerous, but that side can be too. 
the more yes. extreme you get on each side, you know, um, the worse off you are as a society. And I've come to kind of this middle ground of like, we have to have some conservatism in areas. For sure. We like I'm very some, economically yeah. conservative, for I, example. Yeah. I, I'm, I really, I think libertarians can kind of be assholes, but I'm pretty libertarian in a lot of ways, but Me you too. know, Hey, let's fund public school and roads. Yeah. Know? Can we, yeah. yeah. Can we take care of the infrastructure? Exactly. And like, man, that's my agreement. Our disagreements and like, um, when we were at our city meeting, I was just like, wonder how many of these people are Republicans? Right. You know, and it's like, and how do you justify identifying with that partisan group mm-hmm. and sit here and want to make me pay for sidewalks on land that I own so you can then, like, that's how it works. It's like, are those my sidewalks? Right. No, they belong to the city. You can't say anything about them. You can't, like, if we want to take them out, we will. Mm-hmm. You know, like my chiropractor, um, he, uh, when he built his, they like, uh, his place some years later, they came in and they gave him some problems on the front end building. But they, all, all the hotels in our county right now pay this voluntary tax. The reason we can't have Airbnbs is because the hotels will stop paying the tax. Mm-hmm. So the city has to keep Airbnbs. Right, no competition. Yes. Uh, like, well, and it's, it's seen as that, but it's like, it's more so like the Airbnbs have highlighted, like, we don't have to pay that tax. It's voluntary. Mm-hmm. So the casinos will have to stop. So, like, they came to my chiropractor and were like, we want you to put in this fire hydrant. And he's like, oh, you know, great. Like, show me the statute where it says I'm responsible to do that. And they're like, well, you know, it's just more of a recommendation. And he, they, he'd had this, he told me this other story about his driveway where he, like, and didn't end up paying anything and never came back to him. Yeah. And it's, like, this years later. But, like, so he, in, he went ahead and got the fire hydrant put in for whatever reason. It was, like, the church, there's a two, the church I used to go to and the other church from across the street right next to him. And he's just, like... Uh, has has it put in and like um, when they're done or whatever he's like, where's my tool? And they're like, what what do you what do you mean? It's mine. And he's like, this is mine, dude. Like you guys just sweet fire hydrant here. Yeah. Like I want to turn this thing on right now. We're about to have a block party. Yeah, and they're like, sir, you you can't do that. Okay, this is ours, the cities of which you are not included, <laughs> even though it's on your property, man. You pay for it. Yeah, and, it, you know, like, I never gave two cares, period. And because the thing is, it's just like the system, like, in major elections, like, uh, like I never really cared too much locally, and now that I own two tracts of land and all this, I'm like, now I care. Now I care about zoning. Yeah. But before, I never would have. It's it's interesting, the... Yeah, Ross, sort of contrast. Ross Perot said something. And this is Rest in peace. Quote. He just yeah, passed away. Exactly. He said something along the lines of, like, if you don't, you know, if you're not, like, involved with politics, politics will. You know, and again, this is not an exact quote. It's I can't remember the exact quote, but politics will affect you. Like, you can say all you want. Like, I'm not political. You know, like, doesn't really affect me, but it will. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like, I was thinking that. You remember... I don't know were you, if you would have been there at like the all faculty thing for the faculty senate. No, no, thank God, no. Well, they were just like, 
all right, we've got a new constitution written. We've made these changes. Everybody's ready. All right, any any opposition? Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, uh, why why is the meeting at this time? Like, we could go home if the meeting wasn't at this time, but you've kept us here for this meeting. Like, that's all I kept hearing. And they're like, oh, also, we're taking away this and that. You know, like, like all this stuff. And everybody's like, "Uh, we don't care about it. Like, whatever you want the Constitution to be, like, we want to go home. home. It's 2 o'clock. It's the last day of school, next to the last day of school. Like, you brought us here just... Like, I'm hearing all these faculty Sally things, and I'm just like, are you guys, like, worrying that we, like, what what changes they make? Like, I didn't read this. Did you guys get this email? Right. <laughs> like, I was like, they're like, yes, we got the email. You didn't read it? And I was like, no, did you? And they're like, no, no we just want to go home. Yeah, exactly. But that's, that is, the that is, like, a small sampling of how local government at least works. I can't attest because I haven't been involved in state politics and all this. So Yeah, no, but. I, I agree with you. Um and I mean even even people and how they vote, you know, uh like if you look at the major elections in terms of the president, we usually have a two term president and then the next the next election the opposite party gets elected. People like change in terms of that all. What's crazy, I didn't realize this, is how many Republican presidents we've had since LBJ. Mm-hmm. Twice as many right. as Democrats. Right. Shocking. I, I couldn't, I, I was like, I, I didn't realize that was the stat. Because you had Kennedy and Johnson, mm-hmm. and then um, you had Nixon. Uh, which one was it? Uh, it was Nixon, Carter, Ford. Which one? Carter or Ford was the Dem. I always get them Carter mixed up. Carter was the Democrat. Okay, Carter's yeah. a Democrat. And then you had Clinton and Obama, and that's it. Right. And so I, I do think a part of that is, going back to what we were talking to earlier, you know, when you talk about separation of church and state, Democrats embraced that. Republicans did not. Republicans yeah. embraced. I know. And they, they became the morality, you know, um, side of politics. So, but yeah, like people will vote for the president, and they're willing to change that. But if you look at the other like things that we vote on, when people vote, they don't often show up to vote for, you know, the House and, and things like that, but they'll vote the same person in every time. There's no term limit, oh, and people man. will vote the same. That's where a lot of your change is going to come in, you know. Like, ideally, you know, if, if you know, I don't want to necessarily name, you know, the people, but if, if that person is not doing good for Arkansas, you would think, well, you know, Let's get rid of them. But people are going to vote him in over and over and over. And people make a career out of this. Yeah. Like you say representative. I mean, I believe politicians are, are just that. They're public servants. You shouldn't go into office and come out with more money than you had when you went in. And I'm always worried, too, about people touting themselves. Like in this community, it's they're like the word gatekeeper and leader gets used way too mm-hmm. much. And I'm like, okay, yes, you know what? Here's how I view it, like. I, I'm a leader of like over over a couple hundred people at the gym, mm-hmm. and it's like you take into account uh, outside of that students and stuff, and it's like you know what that is my literal cross to bear as a human being. Yeah, and I've never met a leader that would describe it any other way. Well, and even when you take the word leader, leader is someone that does what's best for the majority. You know, the 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 people. It's a selfless there. act a yeah, lot exactly. of times. They're not protecting their interest or the interest of their party or whoever is in power. You know, they're there to to serve. Like, they're there to lead by example, but that's not happening yeah. in a lot of politics, you know, or in politics in general. And it's really frustrating, you know, um, to me. 
but yeah, it it's one of those things like we have to, I believe, I think Thich Nhat Hanh said, you know, like something like this of, you know, the government needs you to have an enemy and it will create one. And the government, if you look at this Democrat Republican thing that we have, this two party system. Controlling the institution. Exactly. Exactly. Who was that guy um, that everybody kind of likes to bring up that um, Hillary and Obama were influenced by? And uh, Solansky? Maybe so. I'm not sure about that. Uh, he was a he was a popular socialist. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what that dude's name is. Uh, uh, but the, he, this guy was talking uh, about institutions that you would have to bring under control. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would get, became aware of this through like some sort of conspiracy or something. But right. I got to looking into it, and I was like, oh. Okay, well, that's, yeah, like, but, and, and too, I never took it to the place that the conspiracy theorists were taking it to it, but of, like, Hillary is trying to do what this guy said, right. okay, and she's the devil, and she worships Moloch, the owl god, mm-hmm. and that's the same god that Jerry Epstein worships. Did you know that her husband flew on his, I'm not taking it to that place necessarily, yeah. but it was this um, guy, and this guy, at the school she went to, I want to say she did her dissertation on him. Or her master's thesis. Yeah, and see, the equal and opposite of that is uh, with a lot of the Republicans. Is what is it? Uh, the Ayn Rand or Ayn Rand? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Saul Alinsky. Okay. Yeah, I, I've heard of that briefly, but I haven't dived into that much at all. Dude, this is great. This is why the podcast is great because, dude, this could all be bullshit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, right. like. I, okay, Saul Linsky. I mean, just about the like. I don't know for sure. I've never read her thesis or whatever right. it is that um, people are pointing out about. Okay, this is how to create a socialist state. And what's bad is like, dude. I some of Bernie's stuff like I don't get behind, but at the same, at the end of the day, I'm like, it's a pretty solid choice. Like in terms of like the stuff he's talking about, I was wanting to share this thing earlier. Have you ever heard Jesse Ventura talk about a maximum wage? I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I feel weird about the minimum wage thing. I get the side of it. They're saying, like, yeah, unemployment's low, but poverty's real high. But at the same time, it's like, dude, it's a small business. Like, I already pay my employees, like, what they're talking about. But it's like, now I got to pay them more because I don't, like. You have to compete. Yeah, it's like, I don't like, it was cool when I paid them 12 or whatever an hour, you know, 15 an hour, whatever it was, before it was a thing like when minimum wage is like under 10 mm-hmm. or whatever it is now. So, yeah, I definitely think there's, there's two sides to that argument that both have valid points with, with raising a minimum wage, you know, creating a living wage, but also that does hurt the small business owner. There was a, there was a, I'm big into knives. I love cutlery and knives. And there was a, a knife company that was located in Oregon you know, and they got, you know, this, you know, they've raised minimum wage a ton, and they already paid their employees well above minimum wage. That's where, yeah. But they moved to Michigan because even though they paid their employees really well, they paid their employees so well that 90% of them moved with wow. the company. Yes, they loved working for the company, did that. But they said, it's if we lose one of them, if one of them decides, you know, to do pursue another career or do something else, it's going to be harder to compete 
when we have to, we already paid a good wage when we have to pay even more now, it's harder to stay open, you know, but on the other side of that, you know, it, man, it is like, the problem is minimum wage has not increased at the same rate that inflation has. And so, you know. Yeah, and what's the formula to be able to calculate that? Man, when I was in college, I was told that if minimum wage had risen at the same rate when I was in college, and minimum wage at the time was like still, what was it, like five and a quarter? Yeah, oh, dude, I remember it was 525. Yeah, yeah, 520. I mean, I was working at a job where I was making 750 an hour, and I thought I'd be rich. Dude, I, I left Walmart making uh, a little over $10 an hour. I worked there for a couple years. I was like, hell yeah. Exactly. I, the place I worked at three years, I had worked up to 12 bucks an hour, and I was like, this is the life, you know? Like, like, I've like, made it. Is, yeah, I've made it. I mean, when I got my counseling degree, I remember someone contacted me to do like group therapy for like $20 an hour. And I was like, oh my God, that's unreal. And somebody was like, no, it's not. That's standard for you. You know, that's not good at all. But, uh, but so I, I see the argument of that because it's, it is hard to live on that wage. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's hard, man. You know, and it's going to affect different people different ways. But I think, one of the things that I think we're seeing as an unintended consequence of that is industry is not taking kind to it, and we're seeing jobs being eliminated. Have you shopped at Kroger recently? Um, yes, yeah, what they do. They put in more self-checkouts. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. did Walmart. And self-checkouts at Kroger suck more than they suck at Walmart um, because they haven't been doing it very long. I don't get. I don't know, but they just suck. Every time they got, like, I'm standing in line, and they're like, come over here, and I'm like, no. Like, I remember when self-checkouts first came out, and I'm okay with those because I think that they are for people who have 10 items or less. But when that, you have yeah, a grocery know, cart full man. of, like, you know, groceries, you don't need to be at the self-checkout and having to call yeah. the cashier over every time. But I think that's one of the reasons we're seeing that is because minimum wage increase. So Kroger says, well, instead of having four people check out, we're now going to do one, maybe two. And people can use self-checkout. And, we're, you know, we can employ less what people that, like that. What that creates is this. Like, I, I, I was, like, like laughing to myself and, like, having inner dialogues. So I was at Walmart earlier. And, well, embarrassing side story, I went to the bathroom. And I came out of the bathroom and I got my cart, which had, like, some picture frames and mm-hmm. some water. That water we've been drinking, some other mm-hmm. stuff in there. And then when I came out of the bathroom, I grabbed an empty cart and pushed it up to the front and then realized it was empty. And I and But when I was doing that... I was like going to the self checkout, and then I realized I didn't have anything in my buggy. So it's kind of funny, but yeah, there was this huge ass line, and only like one checkout open. Right. It had like twelve people in it, and they all had baskets full. And I was like, I've heard about this shit on the internet. Like yeah. I was like, people are talking shit about this on the internet. I was oh, like, yeah. my dad won't even come here anymore and, because and of this. Like I don't. I told the Kroger employee, you know, she's like, hey, you can actually come. And dude, I had a buggy full. Like produce is the worst thing. Have to do it in a self-checkout. Yeah, you need to be drawing a check. Yeah, exactly. And so she comes down here and she was nice. She goes, Hey, you can actually and I said, I'm 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 not employed by Kroger. I'm I'm not gonna do the job that they should be paying someone to do. Uh, but I think that's an unintended consequence. We're seeing things like at McDonald's, which I don't go to McDonald's anymore, so I don't know if it's it's happening around here, but we're seeing machines now like kiosk where Big Mac no onions, extra pickles. Yeah, yeah. it used to be somebody standing there doing that for you. That was somebody's job. And so industry, big industry, is not going to take kindly to this. But the problem, again, is minimum wage, again, is a symptom to me. You know, it's a symptom to an underlying problem. Just like with with Bernie and and the Democrats want to talk about universal health care. That in itself sounds okay, but 
I think there's going to be unintended consequences to it. And the real issue for me is not that we all need insurance because I think insurance for the most part is bullshit. We need healthcare that doesn't cost us an arm yeah. and a leg. You shouldn't have a medical condition happen to you and you go bankrupt in the richest country in the world. And it's not because of insurance. It's, sad, it's because dude. of the hospital industry. Yes. You know, I don't know. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you talked to Dana last year about his wife. Oh, going yeah. Home. Like, I felt so bad for him. The dude is in his 60s. He's working a full-time job teaching, and then he's leaving to go work at basically a private practice full-time, you know, just so he can afford to live and treat his wife, you know, with what's going on. He wanted to retire from the school, but he had to think about, like, okay, with insurance, can I afford insurance for my wife? Like, how is this going to work? Yeah. You know, so it's just, it's it's crazy. So when, when Bernie gets up there and he says something about universal health care, that sounds good, but I think there's going to be unintended consequences. But really, I want to know, Ripple like, why, effect. Yeah, why, why, is, why are drugs in Canada cheaper than the U.S.? Like, it's like the simple things like IV bags and insulin and stuff like that. Like, that's, right. this, that's the main ones and, I'm concerned about. Yeah. And, and capitalism, so for me, socialism is not the problem. I'm cool with socialism to an extent. I'm cool with capitalism to an extent. It's, when, it's when they get perverted. It's when they get used against me. Dude, let me, let me read you this real quick. Okay. And I, so, again, like, I'm just pulling this up. I, this is actually an article by a guy named Garrett Gear or Greer, it's a small text, but it says, um, it's talking about Saul Alinsky. He died in June of 72, and he said, he wrote a, a paper, allegedly. Again, I'm just reading this little, uh, how to create a social, uh, how to create a social state by Saul Alinsky. There are eight levels of social control. Healthcare. Mm-hmm. Control healthcare, you control people. Poverty. Increase the poverty level as high as possible. So, debt, Mm-hmm. I'm in debt. Are you in debt? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. How can you not be? Right. Yeah. Uh, gun control. Okay. Uh, remove the ability to defend themselves from the government, then they will not, uh, then you will be able to pe- create a police state. Right. Welfare. Mm-hmm. Take control of every aspect of their lives food, housing, income. Education. Take control of what people uh, read and listen to. Uh, take control of what their children learn in school. So, like, 1984. Sure. Uh, religion, remove belief in God from a government, like you were saying with millennials earlier. Uh, class warfare. You know what, Cody? You're a little too in the middle for me. Right. Okay, I'm, I'm over here. Right. Okay. And I don't know if we can... Th- that's what that... I mean, like, we've already hit all of this. <laughs> I feel like we've talked about a lot of stuff. But um, that is it, man. That's That's... Kind of sign of the times. Well, man, and, and the reason the reason that I would vote for Bernie, Bernie Sanders, and the reason I, that, I'm going to vote for, yeah, I don't care if, what if, people say. If he gets the Democratic nomination, you know, and and I can vote for him ultimately, and the reason I I would have last time and I did early on is because I believe in a strong middle class. I I believe that I don't believe in the conservative idea that Reaganomics works because you know. Like, if we give the CEO of McDonald's a tax break, the idea is, oh, well, he'll create jobs. People don't create jobs because they get a tax break. They create jobs because there is demand. If there's not demand, they're going to take that money and they're going to put it in some type of trust. They're going to buy fucking island. <laughs> you know? I mean, there's no telling what they're going to do with oh, it. Oh, there's but, so many ways to cheat the yeah, system but if they're you're a major not, corporation. They're not going to create jobs unless people are buying things. Who buys things? The middle class. 
the middle class is your biggest consumer of industry to me. And I believe in promoting a middle class, whether that's a Republican promoting it, a Democrat, I don't really care, a Libertarian promoting it. I just believe that the middle class has to be strong. That's going to help every class, you know. But, yeah, so I don't know, man. It just, again, though, it's really confusing, you know. And people, you know, it's kind of like with politics, you know, what people, what affects them a lot of times is what, they create as their belief system and what they do. So, like, if we take this to something that's not politics, not religion, not whatever, but, like, you know, HP computers. I'm a HP. Mac guy. Yeah, okay. well, I bought an HP computer, and it was the shittiest computer I've ever had in my life. And it was at the time where HP was, like, making a resurgence, and it was cool to have an HP again. I've had an HP. Yeah, and it was a piece of shit. You know what I mean? I will never buy HP again. Now, does that mean HP's a bad computer? No. Maybe I just got a lemon. You know, I don't know. My experience is bad, you know, and so people, when they're affected, if you're a small business owner and you're affected by a minimum wage hike, you know, that's how you're going to view things. If you're a minimum wage worker and there's no way out for you, or you feel there's no way out or you don't see how to make that change, you're going to want to vote for the other. And then that's how this, like, you know, like we get upset at one another. We tend to blame the poor a lot of times, you know, and things like that. But yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot, there is a lot of, I guess like you'd say like poor shaming. Yeah, but we have more in common. The middle class has more in common with the poor than we do the the wealthy. You know what I mean? But we're typically the ones, and I think historically we've seen this too, when we look at the plantation owner, the, the, the sharecropper, and the slave. The sharecropper and the slave had much more in common than they did with, either one of them did with the plantation owner. But what the plantation owner was able to do was to say, hey, listen, sharecropper, you're poor, but you got something, dude. You're white, and you can be like me one day if you work hard enough. I know. That, I was just thinking that when you were giving that metaphor. Yeah. It's like, but the, but yet, while that's going on, no middle-class person is very ever like, I'm trying to be like the poor person. Mm-hmm. It's I'm trying to make it, right. quote-unquote, to right. be the, the next level. I'm moving that upper class or, yeah. you know, if there's a, is there a lower upper class? Yeah, I think it's really more upper middle, you know, is what, and maybe that's just because that's what I know. <laughs> I that's why, yeah, well, we're yeah. trying to get to that <laughs> middle to upper. upper middle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, dude, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up, man. Right. I'm sure you have other stuff to do today. Well, I'm actually about to have to go get my kid. Okay. So, yeah. Well, man, dude, I really, um, it's been awesome. Yeah. I feel I like we did it. a lot. We played some music. You, you, I was like, I mean, obviously, like, didn't know, but yeah, you kind of blowing my mind. Like, just because I hadn't played with anybody, I hadn't played with a bass player in a long time. Mm-hmm. You were just like, oh, yeah, I know how to play bass, dude. Watch this. A little bit, not much, but a little bit. And too, <laughs> dude, it wouldn't be a podcast. I was like, I think I was like, I got to make a I love you, man joke. Oh, yeah. I'm slapping the bass, man. Yes. Slapping yes. the bass. Yeah, so I was pretty nervous about this podcast thing. That's why I was like, what do you want to talk about? I know, I, I like, get that from everybody. I was like, I've never been on a podcast, so I was like, I don't know what the hell we're going to talk Dude, about. Dude, I'm going to tell you, this has been one of my, one. I've done like three, uh, this being the third, um, I tweaked my studio, redid a bunch of stuff, and mm-hmm. Mike was working on just upping my value. Yeah. And uh, this one, I've done two others recently, but solid cast, man. Good, good. I, I, I haven't been bored this whole time. We talked about, I feel like, a ton of stuff going on. All around. Right, so. absolutely. Well, dude, if you ever want to do it again, um, I mean, obviously, uh, I have the option. 
have a portable podcast where there's a, somewhere there's a case in here. Man, we need a um, new one from UACC. <laughs> I know, so I'm set up. I'm set up Are to you? do it. Yes, I have a mobile. It's a Blue Yeti Pro XLR. I could hook it into a mixer, or I've got a Tascan uh, digital DR40. Mm-hmm. I've got I got the equipment. I'm just like it's been, dude. I mean, becoming an amateur audio engineer has not been a fast process. Right. Even having background in like working with PAs and mixers for like playing at church and stuff, it just it never figuring out how to hook everything into that TV and into the camera and make it come over here and then go into the computer and then be able to pull it back out and put it. That's oh, yeah. a big long. And then it's like, how do you host a podcast? Right. But it's fun, man, and I think that uh, just being a historian has lended to it, too, because I like, like – I take that I'm always telling people in my class about podcasts. Oh, yeah, so. and I think – we definitely should do this again. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Yes, please. I think the next time we do this, one of the things we need to talk about I think is something that affects us both. Student loan debt – we both work in education. Oh yeah, we got to get more on it. Let's let's, let's plan let's one higher ed and because I like I said, man. Well, and it's it's a it, for me it's okay. It's a passion thing. It's yeah. like I could I could pay back my student loans and not work at USCCM. Mm-hmm. But it's like I wonder if I would. Right. I, I mean, I wonder. You know what I'm saying? I, I wonder. I, I think about that sometimes. I'm like, mm-hmm. man. I, you know, I, I am working there to easily be able to, p- to take care of that debt quickly how will my mind change when that debt's not there and then how much debt that was. Yeah, like, it's this planet. We'll oh, do yeah. it here in a few weeks, get back in the swing of school Sounds and stuff. Sounds good, man. All right, dude. Appreciate All right. your time, man. Hey, thank Have you. Have a good one.